0: Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 47. I don't know where to put Betty in the intro.
1: Well, the Betty's in the other room, in (laughs) case people are wondering. She is with Nona and we are lucky enough to have Nona here who quarantined for 14 days. Yeah. To stay with us for 14 days.
0: Your dad stopped working just so that Nona could properly quarantine so she could live with us. He it's did. insane.
1: We could talk about Nona all day, but we could also talk about our guests right now.
0: We have amazing guests this episode. First up, we have Shannon Leigh from While They Nap Podcast. These girls are from Toronto, very close to us. And
1: and we discovered them on Jessie Crookshank's channel because uh, yes. she was kind of doing a pass the mic Type thing. I guess not a type thing. That's exactly what yeah. she was doing. And it just happened to coincide when Jesse was a guest on our show. So we really got, uh, in our doing our research with Jesse, we got to know the Well They Nap crew.
0: Yeah. And they did such a great takeover of Jesse's account. So we were so thrilled to have them on ours. And they were so great on ours. We talk about what it's like to podcast, what it's like to podcast with a friend. And we get their perspective on what it's like to raise black children. In this world, in Canada, I know a lot of people in Canada, we think that we are different, maybe better than the U.S., but we do have a lot of issues here with systemic racism, and we talk to the girls about what it's like to raise black kids in the society, and what we can do to always make sure that other kids feel that they are safe and loved within their own communities.
1: And if you want to have a good laugh, uh, just listen to me ask about affirmative action. (laughs) I can't find my words. I'm nervous. I'm stumbling. I am an idiot, but... I'm trying to be less ignorant, and I think that's the least we can ask of us all.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if you're an idiot, at least you're an idiot who is learning and wanting to learn.
1: I like to say I'm an idiot with heart.
0: You are an idiot with heart. Thank you. That's exactly how I would describe <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: What a big heart you have. And Shane, our next guest after Wild In Podcast.
1: Busy toddler.
0: We have Susie Allison from Busy Toddler. So many of you have recommended Busy Toddler account to me anytime I say, oh my God, like I don't know what to do with Lucy. She's at this phase developmentally and I don't really know what games to play with her. I have so many mothers always saying, go check out Busy Toddler's account. You'll love it. She's like the Michael
1: Jordan of toddler activities. I mean, she has over a million followers. She must be doing something right.
0: It's insane. And everything is so doable. That's what I really like about her. So we have her on to chat about her account how she comes up with these different activities, what you could have at your house if you are not a creative parent like me.
1: And she seemed to be so much more than just like a toddler activity expert. She was kind of talking about little tips on behavior. and Yeah, she's great. The thing that happens to us so often is Alex and I will look at each other before an interview and we'll say, especially if we're talking to like an expert, Mm -hmm. we'll say, let's keep this to 15 minutes. (laughs) And sure enough, it's going into 40 because... these people are so much more than they seem on Instagram. And that's why we love having conversations with these people. And I learned so much just like, there's one fact in here that really blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get into it deeper on the show, but that I don't have to feel guilty for not playing with Lucy. I always thought it was my duty to play with her. But anyway, it was very enlightening interview.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. And uh, we do hope that you guys enjoyed the guests. We had a lot of fun recording this. And now, Shane, before we get into it, I want to say cheers. We have a couple very special cocktails tonight. Cheers. What, what makes so, them
1: special, Alex? Well,
0: we are drinking Seedlip Garden 108. So that is your favorite flavor of Seedlip. And it's,
1: truth be told, I took a sip before we recorded. <laughs> and I was like, why do I love this so much?
0: Yeah, it's Garden 108, baby. So this drink is called Time. So we used Fever Tree Tonic. We used Something
1: we could all use more of.
0: <laughs> well we use fever tree tonic we use garden 108 seed lip
1: do you get my joke
0: fever tree tonic time time
1: i knew you didn't get it mind you my timing was off your timing
0: little. was so <laughs> off <Are laughs> it was like 10 me? minutes after you said time <laughs> but uh and then a sprig of time for garnish and the don't thyme, just
1: go saying sprig like you it
0: know, is a sprig you idiot this is what that's called
1: you knew what a sprig was before of today? course Okay,
0: but you are an idiot with a heart, so I won't hold it to you. Well, I feel like you're a smart
1: person who's a dummy.
0: Uh, I 100% am.
1: But mm. and together we're a good team.
0: Shane, first thoughts on the cocktail?
1: I love it. And yeah, I love it too. I, yeah, I've I think this is my favorite one actually. It's, it's something so simple, about it's having like, a sprig oh. in my drink. I know I didn't know what it was, but now I really like it. It's like a piece of a tree. It looks like.
0: <laughs> By the way, bring, where did you get a sprig? I got sprigs at the grocery store.
1: You're telling me this didn't come from a tree? No, baby. You planned for this.
0: I planned for this. I told I'm you. Actually I had the drinks I'm actually the control impressed. I'm actually impressed. This is cool. Yeah, no kidding. It's beautiful. It looks beautiful. It tastes delicious and so refreshing. We again. had a stressful
1: day and this takes the edge off.
0: Shane, why was our day so stressful? Well
1: <laughs> when I say the words toddler, shoot and well, newborn shoot, toddler shoot, the toddler was actually the least of our problems. Uh, we had a shoot with a newborn for uh, we d- we wanted to do a kind of a fun ad for Hello Bello, like we you know we just <laughs> we love <thought> our a- <laughs> sponsors and
0: we like to go above and beyond.
1: So uh, you know we thought we'd throw something together and then it just <laughs> you know it was supposed to be a 25 minute project and then it turned into a day project and then we did a reshoot and apparently these newborns aren't. The actors you think they'd be?
0: No, they're not. They're quite, temperamental. They're they don't really keep a pose well.
1: No, and like and even if they do, they're not making the face that you want.
0: No, you need to get them while they're sleeping. The only time you can actually photograph a newborn beautifully is when they're sleeping. So Shane's idea was fantastic, and it still is fantastic. And I know just because he's so talented that. We're going to come out with a good product in the end. It's just not going to be... Well, I think
1: moms are an an easy audience. And I'm going to assume your audience is moms.
0: (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) Um, But Shane's idea was to have Lucy and Betty together in this like kind of choreographed modeling video, modeling all of Hello Bello's adorable diapers because they have like so many cute patterns. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, sure, sounds great. And five minutes into it, I start to like just, you know, kind of sink into myself and I'm like, holy shit, this isn't going to work. This is going to be hard. Well, your cheeks went
1: very red and that's my new tell that you are imploding.
0: (laughs) My cheeks went red? At what point did they go red?
1: I think from the moment you realized it was going to be a laborious, frustrating couple days, they haven't turned normal (laughs) since they're red right now.
0: (laughs) Just thinking about, honestly, just thinking about the day, it was hard. And Shane's not kidding. We have been dedicating too much time every single day for the last few days trying to get this done. And obviously it's hard if you are a parent with one kid, never mind that, but if you're a parent with two kids, you definitely know how difficult it is to get those two kids looking in the camera or just like doing something that resembles something cute at the same time
1: as much as we've been shitting on betty who is a total disappointment in the acting department lucy was kind of coming through
0: lucy totally came through and she was such a pill today in every other regard
1: (laughs) but she understands the camera and it's it's so funny at first i was like treating Lucy like she was a baby like I thought yeah. I thought I would have to like walk with her come
0: on Lucy take well, a no, step
1: well no I was walking beside her yeah and, and like follow me and then I was like oh wait she understands language I was like okay Lucy walk forwards now stop now turn Give me a smile, do <laughs> do it with some confidence. All right, that's when, good.
0: I'd say when you told her to do it with some confidence, that was her best walk. Her chin went up. She added a little oh, what, flare, like a shoulder shimmer? It was hilarious. I know.
1: She could honestly be an actress.
0: Yes, although Not joking. no, she she definitely could be. Although the child actor gig is something that I I definitely don't want to do unless it's like for our own family stuff.
1: Whatever, but but like if it's her passion and she's good if at it, if it's her
0: passion, yeah. We'll all support any passion.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, but I I have a list of things I've written down if we want to get into it. Yeah,
0: let's get into it.
1: Is having one kid too easy? Like, (laughs) having one kid, like, are you even a parent if you only have one child?
0: You know what? Having one kid might be too easy, but then again, we are coming from an incredibly privileged place when we say that because we do have a lot of help and with the amount of help we have with one kid, it was almost laughable. And Life I'm shocked that we easy. ever had a hard time.
1: But and, and I'm obviously kidding. I don't want to trigger any people with, who choose to have one child. But you're obviously still a parent if you have one. I'm just making a point that it is so much different with two. <laughs> it is so
0: different. And much we have
1: Nona here right now. I know. But it's definitely like, uh, you know, you broke down and uh, we're just a puddle of goo after two hours into having two children in our house.
0: Okay, and hands up if any mom has come home and not broken down within the first 10 hours because I don't think there are any of you. Every mom, I think, has broken down within the first day that they've been home from the hospital. I honestly cannot think of any one of my friends that hasn't. No. Yeah.
1: I didn't mean to sound sarcastic. I meant to say <laughs> every mom. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say I understand it more now because yeah, there's there was a moment today around dinner time where Lou was crying and Betty was crying and yeah. you just looked at me and you were like, "This is like a sitcom." Yeah, and it really was a very frustrating.
0: Well, Betty wouldn't it for two hours for a baby that hasn't cried at all in the past two weeks? Like she really, truly has not cried at all. It's been insane. And I've been so shocked. She bawled for two hours straight today. I can hear her crying right now in the other room with Nona.
1: That's I actually Nona crying in the other room. She's watching <laughs> Bridges of Madison County on her <laughs> iPad. Um, but, I, I, okay, I also have, is changing diapers overhyped as, yeah. as a negative uh, job?
0: Changing diapers is fine. Changing Didn't you diapers? think it was going
1: to be much harder? Before? Yeah,
0: I thought it was going to be like super stinky and disgusting and messy. And I'd always be walking around with like poop. somewhere being like, yeah. But changing diapers is the easiest of all parenting jobs, even yeah. when they're toddlers and they actually get stinky.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about today. I think it's like the unloading the dishwasher of chores. But actually, mm-hmm. I don't mind unloading that. You don't like doing that.
0: I don't love it. But
1: what would you relate it to as like a household chore?
0: Ah, uh, taking out the recycling.
1: Yeah, that, that's that was a good one. that's something
0: we do every single day and it's no big deal. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. Because I remember I used to watch shows and their kids would be like, I have to take out the garbage. I was like, jeez, I hope I never have to take out the garbage. <laughs> and then I did it. I was like, this is easy. Um, oh, I, I, I have another little tidbit here. I learned that, do you know what the best bonding a parent can have is?
0: Is it at bedtime?
1: No. So of all the interchangeable relationships you can have, like mother, daughter, mm-hmm. uh, son, daughter... Wait,
0: so (laughs) father-daughter,
1: father-son, mother-son, mother-daughter. What do you think is the tightest bond possible? Father-daughter? No. What? Mother-daughter is the tightest bond humanly possible.
0: See, I do believe it because I think about my mom, and even though I think girls shit on their moms way more than any other parent-child relationship, I think girls are so hard with their moms, and moms are hard with their girls. And as much as I shat on my mom as a teenager, Ew. I always loved her. <laughs> you no, know, like, I, I always loved her. But I, if I was going to get bitchy with anybody, it would be my mom. And now, it's maybe it's the same way. Maybe still, if I'm going to get stubborn with anybody, it's going to be my mom. But then...
1: So you would shat on your mom. Would your mom shat on you?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, like, I call her multiple times in a day. Like I'll call her if I it's just to say fuck you and then you
1: <laughs> you hang up.
0: No. But like when we're working, I call her after I drop you off at the bus station, I call her on my way to school to wish her a good day. I call her on my way home from school to see how her day went. We talk about that. And now like it's it's pretty constant. So it is a tight bond that I didn't realize I didn't realize the importance of that bond until I got a little bit older and then when I was in my twenties and started to understand myself a little bit more and I, I kinda understood her a little more too. And then now, like the second I got pregnant with Lucy and when I first became a mom, like even in just in pregnancy I'd break down once a week in mm-hmm. tears over it and just be like, oh my God, my mom went through so much. I love her so much. I can't believe she did this for me. And like, even just thinking about it right now is like making me tear up because you do so much for your kids.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
0: only people that are going to realize how much of yourself you put into it are your daughters because they're the mm-hmm. only ones that have the ability to. And it's honestly like, I wish you could experience it from that perspective just to see how much it's so consuming
1: if you had to kill one parent who would you kill (laughs) your mom or your dad
0: they'd both have to go at once i'd have to line them up and just one gun through both their hearts i couldn't just kill one you have to choose one no way not fair and they listen to this podcast
1: i'll edit it out just whisper in my ear
0: i don't know they're both good for different things
1: okay (laughs) Um. should I,
0: i i might have to get betty
1: Okay. My bo- boobs are starting break? to leak. Yeah. Are you going to bring her? Are to you join Are you her? able
0: to bring her in? I'll feed her while we podcast. I'm just going to leak. it. Okay, uh, your
1: Majesty. <laughs> you let me know when you're ready to speak again. We're ready. Okay, we've been watching Amy Schumer's documentary series.
0: We have been. That's yeah. been, I think, fascinating for both of us. So it's Amy Schumer's a three part documentary uh, about her pregnancy and preparing for a show and touring and everything. Throughout her pregnancy, and she suffered from hyperemesis gravitum, which is a disorder where you're vomiting so much, and it doesn't just end at the end of your first trimester.
1: I know what hyperemesis gravitum is. Don't insult
0: me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could be saying it wrong too. I but might be also. It it's awful, and i I had it to a degree. I did never had to use suppositories. She had to use suppositories, but I did go on medications for it because I was I was vomiting like it's, 15. It's times It's a
1: very a day. scary doc series to be watching if you yeah. are a pregnant first time pregnant mom, oh my god because i think amy really went through the ringer harder than most so yeah. i yeah. feel like her perception of pregnancy uh, might not be 100 percent accurate for every woman obviously yeah. no no pregnancy story is but like mm-hmm. that's i thought you had it bad like amy really oh my god really watching
0: watching that brought me back to so many moments in my last pregnancy with betty which was really hard and Oh, God, Shane and I looked at each other at one point. We high-fived the fact that we are done having kids and I don't have to get pregnant anymore.
1: Yeah, really. Again, watching that doc really makes me happy that you're not pregnant. Oh, my God. Obviously, it's way tougher for the woman, but it is tough to see someone you love going through that.
0: Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to ask you about in that documentary, it's really interesting. So Amy Schumer's husband, Chris Fisher, he's a celebrity chef in Martha's Vineyard. And he gets diagnosed as an adult with autism spectrum disorder. ASD. Yeah, and Shane, as a guy who you are, you still have not been officially diagnosed, but both of us think that you do.
1: Well, I've taken have se- ASD, I've, I've taken several tests, like official ish tests that said they were official. They probably. Or like not, but <laughs> and then you didn't believe my test results. So, well, I, I didn't. When <laughs> so you, I had to take the test in front of you with you watching me tick off every answer.
0: Look, when when you first said that you had that you thought that you were on the the spectrum, I was like, no way, and didn't really think of it. But then the more that I kind of sat with that and read into it and everything, and mm-hmm. talked to you about it, and then talked to you with a kind of sorry, and then talk to you with, you know, something in my brain. Looking at me through those
1: glasses, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I I really, truly believe that you, that you do, and I do want you to get tested. I I want you to get diagnosed.
1: Yeah, but it just seems like it might be costly to go through it when we already, we're already pretty sure that I have that. I was going to say suffer from it, but I'm not suffering. I feel like I'm thriving. Yeah. And I, I like it. It makes me feel different in a way. (laughs) <laughs> and I've always wanted to be special and that's something that could be special about me. Right?
0: Now, here's this. What if we went to get you diagnosed and they said, okay, Shane, you don't have ASD, but you do have a narcissism disorder?
1: Well, <laughs> what you think I'm I have a narcissism? No, I'm just
0: saying thing? wanting you to be special and you like it is different. Well,
1: I don't know. I, I, I guess I'd be very disappointed <laughs> if I'm just answering the question. But yeah, it, that being said, when you... Saw his name's Chris. Mm-hmm. When you saw Chris, any of his behavioral tendency, did you see any of him in me?
0: Yeah, it, the or way Did you
1: picture me in inside of him?
0: Um. Well, I'm <laughs> gonna start picturing him, but no, it's it, the way that I believe you present. You know, any possible ASD tendencies is different than Chris Fisher. Um, Do you know what
1: reminded me the most of me? What's though? that? and uh, you probably weren't even thinking of it though but when he was in the car and he wouldn't stop looking at his maps on his phone and she's like why are you doing that you're like driving he's like I have to look like and when when I have my uh, maps because I have the worst sense of direction Mm -hmm. I need to always be looking at the the map when we're driving it's the main reason you always drive it It, that's the way I tell myself anyway Mm -hmm. unless you just think I'm terrible but And he and Amy and him are getting in a fight over keeping his eyes on the road versus not looking at the GPS. He's like, I have to, I have to. And she's like, you did it fine on the way going there. And he's like, yeah, because someone was sitting beside me telling me all the directions. (laughs) And without that safety net, he needed to look. But that's exactly how I was. Yeah.
0: No, I think that um, the way you guys both respond to different things. Like Amy will say something to Chris and he just won't have... The standard response or emotional—I guess you, you won't have the standard emotional response that you'd expect somebody to have, and I think that you are similar to that in some ways as well. Not necessarily when I say something to you because you are—you're you're incredibly emotional, but maybe I think the way you say things to other people and you have an like a—if you're asking me, you have an issue with like tone and understanding uh, how your tone sounds. You
1: love. Uh... A lot of vocal uh, variation. Well, no, in a, but here's uh, the
0: thing. But here's the thing, Shane. It's like the expression on your face that combined with your tone mm-hmm. when you speak, not just to me, but like to so lots, well, like me, <laughs> Nona, what, what your I mom, to Nona? Tiff, your you, you dad. You should see the way you anybody, talk to your mom. Anybody? Way, have you ever thing. seen
1: the way you talk to your mom? I
0: know. I, we've already gone over that. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, you, but you don't even realize that maybe your tone is off or that you sound incredibly serious so that like you're looking like you're staring
1: death when it's time to get burning through their bodies it's like let's cut the civilities and get Nona her gin and soda
0: well there's Nona. I could ask her right now no get out of (laughs) here but uh yeah well fine ask Nona hey Nona yes do you think that Shane sometimes has a problem with tone and how he says things without realizing it. He
3: might do that with you. He's never done it to me. Mm-hmm.
1: There you go. But I think it's because
3: I'm Nona. I don't know
0: if that's, if that's why. I think Nona has rose colored glasses on.
1: Well, her name is Roseanne. <laughs> but I can't be mean to Nona. No, or, but it's not. It's but the not way being you talk mean. to your mom, I think, is worse. No, no,
0: no. But it's not being mean. It's just like, like, uh, but you're so tone. serious.
1: Well, yeah. get out of here, Nona.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Thank love you, you. Love you, too. But yeah, I think we can all get snippy. And like like we were saying in a previous episode, we're always the meanest to the ones we love. Because mm-hmm. it's like they know our true heart and when they know we're not mean. And
0: it's almost like we feel more comfortable taking out those emotions with the ones we love most. But wait, I was going to say something along the lines. Oh, geez, Louise.
1: Tone. Nona hates me. Your little setup really backfired in your face, didn't it, with Nona there? No, it didn't. Well, Nona admitted Uh, I'm never mean.
0: Yeah, baloney. Her first answer gave me the answer, and then she tried to play it up for you. But (laughs) Nona does love you an incredible amount, and I think that she's willing to look by a couple things because she loves you so much. I wonder
1: what the tightest relationship is between Nona and daughter-in-law, or Nona and son.
0: Nona did say when... I was on my leave last time, that if we were to divorce, she would take me in the custody battle.
1: Oh, Nona was hammered when she said that.
0: Well, let's get her hammered more
1: often. Mm -hmm. Okay, I wanted to talk about taking a couple of weeks off, because we have not had a break since COVID broke.
0: Since, Since March 11th, hold on, March 11th was a Thursday, so we haven't had a break since...
1: I think March 11th was a Wednesday.
0: A Wednesday? Yes, yeah. it was. It was. So we haven't had a break since March...
1: 11th. <laughs> no, whatever the don't Sunday. Overthink it.
0: Whatever the Sunday would be because then you have two days of work. Okay. Right? So the Sunday before March 11th was the last time we had a break. And you don't even break on Sundays because you edit the podcast, babe.
1: Yeah, I was going to say we had no breaks since uh, March 11th because normally... Uh, We would, your birthday's in March, Mm -hmm. we we would go on a little vacation, a getaway for your birthday. Yeah. We kind of celebrate your birthday instead of mine. We combine our birthdays, I guess. And I had a, you know, a bachelor party and you and I probably would have gone on a couple more little getaways for a night or two. But we haven't had that. So there's been no release valve, pressure release valve Mm -hmm. for us to relax. So the inertia of work has kind of gotten me a little caught up where I'm just always working and working and working and it doesn't even feel weird to me it'd be weird for me to stop working so we're gonna attempt to take two weeks off at the cottage will this affect the podcast it might affect an episode or two tops I'm gonna try to have it not but you know there's so much to do all the time and uh, I might not be able to not disrupt the pod schedule Mm -hmm. yeah some people might not give an ass but some people might be distraught over that
0: And well, (laughs) I just like the idea of somebody being distraught over our podcast schedule.
1: As an extreme narcissist, (laughs) I am definitely hoping someone's upset.
0: um, But it is interesting because we have gotten so caught up in working all the time that it's just a part of everyday life. And I was sitting on the couch the other day and I was getting kind of freaked out because I was like, oh my God working is our normal because even like working is so simple now as picking up my phone and doing a post on instagram doing a story because that all feeds into this family tree corporation right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh then i was starting to really get scared i was like oh my god we are gonna be people that can't ever rest and i was like we don't rest until late at night like nine o'clock at night nine thirty, when we throw on seinfeld or whatever or amy schumer and Then we get, what, an hour before we go to bed and wake up the next morning and do it all over again. And it's like, this, we cannot, you can't live like that because you'll burn out. You can't live like that because then you don't ever enjoy the fruits of your labor. And then I started getting really freaked out because I'm like, all right, the second COVID's over, I mean, things are going to resume, I don't know, semi-normally in the next two years. And then I'm like, are we even going to be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor then and be able to do something relaxing together? Because... Then, you know, Shane's gonna. I don't possibly be working again in Toronto out with friends. I might go out with my friends. And then it's just like. Well, that's not
1: working. No, but that's
0: what I'm saying. And then it's like your downtime. It's so impossible to slow down our brains right now. So impossible. So I'm really hoping. But if things go
1: back to normal, we will do things that we did when things were normal. But I I was gonna say, it was interesting that you. Today we had like ten minutes of uh, reprieve on the porch, mm-hmm. and you were just saying how like pregnancy was almost like our vacation, <laughs> where that was like the only time we really did stop working was when you had a fairly easy birth, yeah, but still a birth nonetheless. And for me, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta get a little bit of excuse to chill here. Yeah, interesting thoughts.
0: Yeah, but even like even the day of the birth, you know, we were still still grinding. I thought we weren't birth. gonna
1: talk about that on this episode. Mm-hmm. okay uh do you have any topics i came in here loaded i came in here and i had a lot of topics
0: you did oh my god you came in here uh loaded on the front end i came in here loaded on the back end
1: (laughs) i talked about how you had a crazy body on the last episode and eh, it's fitting so let's get into our interview with the podcast duo while they nap I think this was a very enlightening and necessary conversation, if not somewhat embarrassing for me and my fumbling. And yeah, but Sheddenley, uh,
0: honestly, were such great people to kind of navigate this with. Uh, they were so knowledgeable from not only their experience, but from you know the what they've known all their lives and the work that they've done. And they were so kind because, of course, we shouldn't rely on people of color on black people to give us this knowledge that and being
1: said we kind of did here and it was yeah. like but you know they were open and willing to do it and this is it's a little bit different because this is being broadcast so this is yeah serves a bit of a higher purpose than a typical conversation so I, I felt a little bit less stupid or guilty for that yeah very reason. and
0: what I loved is that they are both mothers and I can relate to them on solely that i feel like every mom can relate at least on some level and honestly they're just moms like me like we're around the same age everything so it was great to talk to them and they were honestly just really helpful and great guides kind of in this discussion
1: our hope too is that in the future we can have black people people of color on without that being a huge part of the discussion so let's take the pepsi challenge here in a year from now let's see have we been inclusive how do we are we still having people of color black people disabled people let's honestly see if we can do it and I, and I think we can and I don't want the whole conversation just to be about
0: why are you disabled why are you black <laughs>
1: why are you, yeah um first question why are you black <laughs> okay but anyway long intro but before we get to that interview I'd like to tell everyone that
0: We are supported by Bravado Designs. Shane, I've been talking about Bravado Designs nursing bras for the past, what, two months?
1: You won't shut up about it.
0: Well, I was curious, would you... Because when we're
1: off air, it's like, Alex, cool it with the Bravado Designs (laughs) talk.
0: (laughs) Shane, the amount I talk about it though, are you even able to try to kind of take my role in this and say what I love about them so much?
1: Uh, no, I, I, I won't because I kind, of, <laughs> I kind of zone out, to be honest, when you're talking about the benefits. But I do know you genuinely love it. You're a genuine person. And bravado designs didn't just come to us. We came to them. We and did. We, we only go to the products that we truly believe in. I obviously took your word for it. And I am so confident. I'm going to say, if you do not like your bravado designs bra, send me a DM. I might even
0: (laughs) send you a DM
1: hey I might even I'm not sure if this is legally binding but we'll talk about it and I'll uh, I'll refund the money
0: and if you do want to try out Bravado if you haven't or if you are a fan just like I am you can go to bravadodesigns.com and use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off or if you're not a nursing mom and you just need a great comfortable new bra for your collection you can go to ca.bravadodesigns.com use this family tree 20 and then you can get 20 percent off any bra in their everyday collection
1: and that's for canadians only though
0: canadians only they have no clips they don't detach just regular bras same comfort and i can guarantee you guys will love them
1: there you have it the alex cunningham guarantee So, go get those bras. But we are also supported by...
0: By Hungry Buddha. Shane, when hunger strikes, what do you do?
1: I used to go for a cookie, but now I go for a Hungry Buddha.
0: Good answer. And I feel
1: like I'm a better man for it. And I, (laughs) I also like to admit I made a terrible mistake. I gave your dad... Way too many Hungry Buddha Bars.
0: I know. I thought
1: I was being generous, and I am obsessed with these bars. Seriously. Okay,
0: so Shane gave my dad a couple, well, he was supposed to give my dad a couple bars to try, gave my dad like three handfuls, and uh, now we're running a little bit low
1: it's true so you know you live you learn and then you order more hungry buddha bars
0: so i love hungry buddha because they're real ingredients that provide sustained energy to fuel your mind and body so i need this obviously as a postpartum mom who is go 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 all day and all night breastfeeding they're sweetened with monk fruit and they taste amazing we have them in three flavors we have chocolate chip coconut cocoa and espresso brownie my favorite is chocolate chip shane what's yours?
1: I like the espresso brownie. I didn't think it would be my favorite, but it is.
0: It's so yummy. And there's only one to two grams of sugar in each bar. They're made with nine grams of plant protein and all clean ingredients. MCT oil for healthy fats, pea protein, sunflower seed butter, and monk fruit. And the exciting thing, if you want to use the promo code FAMILYTREE15.
1: So not this FAMILYTREE15. Not
0: this FAMILYTREE15.
1: FAMILYTREE15. 15 last week there wasn't a promo code this week there is so
0: score it, for everybody
1: it's activated now and you get 15 percent off by using that off your yes. amazon order so
0: you can go to amazon.com or amazon.ca so this is for american listeners and canadian listeners
1: family tree 15
0: for 15 percent off hungry buddha keto bars and believe me you will love them
1: i second that alex but let's get to that interview with while they nap podcast Hello. Hello. Hi there.
0: Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? So good. We have Lay up here and then Chanel. Hello. There you are. How's it going? I'm using my husband's
4: computer. So.
0: <laughs> so we met over the phone. Ladies, this is my husband, Shane, who is my Hello. podcast Hi co-host. Shane. Hi there. And... Let's just get right into it. We have Shen and Lei who host While They Nap podcast. And we are from very close cities. So we're like basically neighbors in the GTA. And you girls started this podcast together. So what was the inception kind of behind starting While They
4: Nap? So it kind of started when we were on maternity leave. I was a bit lonely and bored, we all are, <laughs> are we? You know, guys? you you kind of run out of, of things to do after after a while. So, uh, a mutual friend of ours kind of connected us, mm-hmm. and uh, we started hanging out, going on mom dates. And yeah. I really wanted to start a podcast, and I wasn't sure like what to talk about, who to do it with. And after I started hanging out with Lay for a little bit, I like it just dawned on me I'm like I should ask this girl that I go to the movies with all the time <laughs> I like, Idea. Like in the past I used to do YouTube a bit okay. and I didn't like it it wasn't for me I don't think it fit my personality I'm not the vlogger type yeah I'm not really like into giving everyone like my deepest darkest secrets and <laughs> yeah you know bring people to the grocery store every single day so I was like you know what I really love having that creative process i love expressing myself just not like that so i just thought that i should try out podcasting Mm -hmm. and i thought it'd be a challenge for me because i'm not really a talkative person but i figured like you know i had a baby i can do anything
3: (laughs) no she's so right because it's like we i mean shan approached me with the idea and i was very reluctant i was like i hate this no i'm not i'm not interested this is the worst and I am very (laughs) extroverted so like it's really interesting because like despite how extroverted and like super personable I am I was really reluctant about like just being like using that platform to share my ideas and Mm -hmm. express opinions but it was weird like the first episode that we recorded was so cathartic like I was going through a really unique time it was an interesting transition where my husband was working outside of the city so I was home by myself with this new baby and wow like just being able to share that and being able to have women respond was really, really powerful. So I was really grateful.
0: And that's, it's funny. Cause I know Shen said, um, about how, you know, she's not into sharing her deepest, darkest secrets and you are a little more extroverted. Uh,
1: so. we'll, we'll edit that out. Don't worry. We'll it's real. It it's real life.
0: <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, when you're podcasting especially when you start talking about parenting and motherhood in particular like there are so few things that are off the table because we've all gone through the same crazy disgusting process yeah Yeah. and you just get so used to talking about so many of these things
1: yeah that's what i was gonna say i think you actually share more on a podcast at least we do than on youtube
4: yeah. I do find that now. Yeah. Uh, I would never like go on mm-hmm. YouTube or and talk about like my marriage problems, but mm-hmm. now I'm just like, you know what? I hate him today and I don't care.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. But,
4: yeah. So which mm-hmm. one of you is the teacher? Lay's the teacher.
0: Lay's the teacher. That would be me. That makes more sense. If you, you are describing yourself as uh, more extroverted and things, so you're used to talking to students, you're used to projecting your thoughts and vocalizing what you want to say, is it harder to do on a podcast than in the classroom or everyday life?
3: Um, I don't think so. I think that like I'm just a straight shooter all the time. That's good. (laughs) And it's something that my students really appreciate about me. I'm sorry, this is getting awkward because I'm walking with my phone. (laughs) My kid just just took a poo. So now I gotta like, you know, handle that. But anyway, no, I'm just very straightforward. And I think that's why I love high school students Mm -hmm. because high school students like they understand this and they're like really receptive to it. They're not easily offended, I find. So the same level of transparency that I have on the podcast, luckily I'm able to transfer that Mm -hmm. in my classroom, and that's awesome.
0: And talking about straight shooting, so that was part of the reason I wanted to talk to you guys on this podcast. So I found you because we were interviewing for our podcast, Jessie Crookshank. And the same day that we were interviewing her, you two were taking over her page, and you did such a great job. So I wanted to contact you guys since we are – essentially neighbors. I would right off the top assume that we would have a lot of the same experiences which I'm sure we do, but obviously Shane and I are mm-hmm. pretty white and you guys are <laughs> black. <laughs> so that <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, shockingly. <laughs> what? So okay. that's one thing that I want to hit because we live in a place especially when you think of Toronto everybody that lives in Toronto is like oh my god it's so diverse I love living here you know people from every culture and I think a lot of people don't see racism for what it is especially in such a multicultural city so I wanted to know from your end people think racism doesn't exist in Ontario Mm -hmm. and in
3: Canada that's the thing that's the thing (laughs)
0: So what do you have to say to those people, including Doug Ford, our premier?
3: (laughs) Doug Ford. Speaking directly to the premier. um, He's a listener. Right? (laughs) An avid listener. I think that um, not knowing that racism exists is a testament and is indicative of your privilege. Mm -hmm. And I know that people hate when we use the word privilege, but it's true because I'm sure that Sen can relate and, and, you know, can agree with the fact that I've never had the ability to not know that racism was real. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've never been blessed with the opportunity to just move through life as though like my color doesn't. Like, you know, it's not something that people see Mm -hmm. and that impacts my experience and my opportunities. Like, I just know that. So racism is very real.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is a sign that you might be racist that you don't think that racism exists?
3: Um, I would say no. Thinking that racism is not real doesn't mean that you're racist. It just means that you have privilege, right? Mm -hmm. It means that you've never really had to think about race. And that's why you can afford to go through the world where you say things like, I don't see color or everyone's the same. Or Mm -hmm. you can say things that... I'm taking on space value, seem, seem, seem innocent, but are dangerous because you need to see the fact that like, I am black. So that way you can validate my experience as a black Mm -hmm. woman. Right. So that way, when I, when I share with you, you know, some of the things that are unique to blackness, it's not dismissed. It's it's, it's, it's honored because that's who I am.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, anything to add to that, Shin?
4: It is a unique experience growing up in Toronto because mm-hmm. we are so multicultural, but at the same time, as Lay said, it does be, you do dance along a dangerous line saying that it is multicultural and we all share the same experience because mm-hmm. we live among so many different people. But at the end of the day, we do have to understand that even though we live in the same neighborhood, go to the same schools, shop at the same malls, we do live a different experience. Mm -hmm. Very
0: true. I I have to say, like, when I was growing up, so I've talked about this before on our podcast, my high school was, it was white and Assyrian, so like, white and Middle Eastern. And so I just thought everything was outside, like, in Hamilton, white and Middle Eastern, mainly. um, Which, (laughs) (laughs) obviously, it is not. And I have to say that I didn't, like, I was friends with, the black kids in my high school, I was friends with the Middle Eastern kids, oops, and the white kids. And, I didn't ever think of myself as being privileged in high school. God, was I ever, like, mm-hmm. incredibly privileged. Well, it's
1: hard to notice it when you're in the privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't until I started, like, I am a high school teacher also, and it wasn't until I started coaching more and teaching, and I had to advocate for these kids that were not getting fair treatment that I realized, like, holy shit. You know, this is so different. Their experience is so different. This kid's not getting hired, even though they're perfect Mm -hmm. for the job and I need to be a reference for them. And it's just so it's difficult to kind of come to terms with that. And Mm -hmm. so as a teacher, I wanted to know, too, uh, from Yule, is there something like, like anything systemic in the way our education system is kind of created that you see happening every day that? continues to kind of disenfranchise black students
3: oh absolutely just to your your, something that you said about like you recognizing your privilege while you were in high school or even outside of that and I think the the challenge with the word privilege particularly white privilege is that for people like for non-affluent white people white people who have really you know even you know grown up in poverty have Mm -hmm. experienced Some level of like, you know, disenfranchisement, whether in whatever case, whether that be ableism, whatever it is, privilege is tough because it's like, no, I I had this or I struggled with this. But I think when we talk specifically about white privilege, we're never discounting the fact that as a white person, Mm. you cannot potentially have a very tough life.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You might
3: have really experienced some really tough. Some tough shit that, like, mm. you know, that would break other people. But what yeah. we are saying is that the old, like, one of the things that made life really, really hard for you was not your race. Yeah. And I think that that's just like the important thing to clarify because I think sometimes people feel really defensive because they're like, I work for this or you don't know what I went through. But that's the caveat, right? It's yeah. that mm-hmm. your, your race didn't have anything to do with your disadvantage. So that's that piece. But with the education system, absolutely. Black students are disproportionately suspended, expelled. Mm-hmm and reprimanded far more than their non-black peers even in the curriculum the things that we teach again it's like it's so everything is taught through a very eurocentric lens right the materials that we use don't elevate they don't they don't they don't heighten they don't celebrate black excellence Mm -hmm. if they if they make mention of blackness it's in a way that isn't redemptive Mm -hmm. it's you know with reference to slavery or to you know Things that happen, things that are very real and that even Black people don't want to denounce. Yep. We're never going to deny the experiences of our ancestors. Yeah. But we're so much more than that. Absolutely. And I feel like it's very damaging to, you know, show only that picture to Black kids and then be shocked when they feel like they can't like they can't achieve more.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic.
3: I think it's that. <laughs> uh, there's that piece of it as well. And again, like even... It's just it's, it's so many different levels. It's even in like you know hiring practices. Like mm-hmm. who do children see? Who can they, are there are there black teachers? Are there black administrators? Yeah. I have two
0: black teachers at my school that I'm teaching at too.
3: Right? Like I taught at a school where I was the only black female teacher that school had ever had. Mm-hmm. Wow! Like you know, and it wasn't. It's, it's only been up and running for like 12 to 13 years. But regardless, like that's very telling. Like when I yeah. when I met one of my grade 10 students and they're like Miss like. You're the first black teacher I've ever had and I'm like, you only have two more years left in your public educational career. So mm-hmm. there are a number of things. I feel like I could go on I could go on forever about how black kids in particular and even worse, like we can't even get into the indigenous argument, but how yeah, yeah. black kids specifically are at a disadvantage. but um, yeah, there's work to be done. There, there's tons and tons and tons of work that we have to do in order to better serve black kids.
0: The way I see it too, uh, kind of coming into play at schools and at the high school level is like with black girls, I think especially uh, getting treated as if they are older or just more to blame for certain things than the white female students. So like if a black female student and a white female student did the same thing that was wrong, it would be that maybe the black student would be Suspended, expelled, whereas the white female student, at a, and it always to me, I see the biggest difference when it comes to girls uh, and how they're treated. And the white girl might get off with a bit of a slap on the wrist. Is this something that you guys saw growing up in high school or that you or your friends experienced?
4: Um, I definitely experienced that. In high school, I was a straight A student, I was in almost most committees i my only qualm was i'm late i was always late (laughs) (laughs) i was always late for school in the morning and i never got in trouble in my life really and i remember getting like my fifth or sixth late Mm -hmm. and i went to the principal and i was even proactive about it i'm like i'm so sorry i'm late like this is something i want to work on like it's important to me like i this is not a reflection of me of a student like I always do the best that I can and they suspended me They sus- suspended me wow. like not even a chat just like no argument she was just like you're suspended like See, nothing like, like is there anything I can do can I do any more extracurricular just but, sorry that suspend. would like
0: harm you more as a student especially if you're willing to work with them and do something and you want to take initiative that's going to harm you more as a student because then you're just missing out on school that you actually want to be at like you're not trying to act out you're not trying to not be there and kids are late for so many different reasons like i Mm. i really try not to get on them until i talk to them talk to their parents have an understanding Mm of what's mm -hmm. going on so how do you kind of deal with that like did that leave you with an impression of those authority figures at your school or
4: Uh, of course i i felt like i couldn't trust My teachers, I couldn't even trust my principal. I didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone anymore because Mm -hmm. I tried the honest approach. Mm -hmm. And I felt like if I can do all the right things and still not be heard, then what's the Mm point, you know? And that's what scared me the most. And even at that moment, I realized that, like, I'm a Black student. and they already have this preconceived notion of who i am or who i'm going to be Mm -hmm. so they didn't even care these are the little moments that kind of compile itself throughout my life that Mm -hmm. make me feel like as an adult woman now like people don't want to hear my voice especially as a a black woman Yeah. yeah they just decide that what my voice will be like and they don't care
1: so if you have all these little moments in your life experience Overt racism and unconscious racism coming from probably mostly white people. Does that make you a little bit unconsciously racist or uncomfortable around white people?
3: I don't think it makes you uncomfortable. I think that like one of the things that like black black people converse about often is how resilient we are. Like Mm -hmm. we recognize that we live in a world where we have to engage with other people that Mm -hmm. look like us or that look like us and don't. And we, ha- we develop a sense of strength where we recognize that we're just we're, we're not what they say we are. We're not what they, you know, you, you really have to go there with yourself and do the work mm-hmm. so that you can navigate and, and be in spaces where you're with non blacks But I think it does make you particularly defensive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with Shen even going through these, these microaggressions and they happen every single day. And it's like if you can imagine it figuratively, it's like a cut. And Mm -hmm. it's like every micro is like more picking at this cut. And it doesn't get a chance to heal because as soon as it starts to heal up and you're like, I'm feeling a little better, then here comes another cut. So we have black people, men, women, and children who are literally walking around bleeding, Mm -hmm. just bleeding in a very figurative, like very real way. We're just bleeding and we're going through life bleeding. We're going to work bleeding. We're going to church and we're, we're navigating life with these open wounds. I think that's what we're seeing right now with this, you know, the huge rise in anti-black, you know, in, in, people, in people fighting against anti-black racism. It's people holding up their wounds. Yeah. So like, this is it. Like, we're done. We can't do this anymore. We can't take it anymore. There has to be a change. We yeah. deserve better. Um, so that's kind of where we. I, I think that most black people are with it for sure.
1: Do you feel like now this movement is here to stay? I was just watching a documentary and it was saying the one thing we've learned from history is that we don't learn from history. Do you think this huh. is different this time around, or is this just like the hot fad of the moment? You know what I mean?
4: Definitely understand that. I, I think. Yeah. I think I'm. I'm going to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. I think now that we're in a place where, I mean, the age of the internet, everyone has cameras, everyone is connected all over the world. I feel like it is our our duty now to continue to share this information. I think education is key. I think if we continue to do our due diligence of learning ourselves, Black people and white people or non-Black people, and share this information with each other, it's going to be a long fight. There's a lot for us to do, and we have to just keep the momentum. It's tiring. It's stressful. It does a lot to your mental health. Absolutely. But we can't stop. If I, I feel like if I stop, it will just be another trend, another name, until a new name appears. And now that I'm a mother, I feel mm-hmm. like it is my job mm-hmm fight as hard as I can to ensure that my daughter doesn't live in a world like this. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: that's a big thing for us. Like, even if we feel like this generation is fucked up or whatever, we're trying to help help the next generation. And sometimes we wonder if we're failing. But, for example, we gave our daughter a black doll early on. Oh, amen. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm wondering, like, am I supposed to tell my daughter we're all equals or do I say we're different and that's okay? Like what's the right language do you think to tell a young child?
3: I think it's important to talk to kids about privilege and power Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I feel like, especially kids of today, they need to know because, you know, to your question about whether things are different or whether the movement's here to stay, I think one of the things that makes this a little bit different is that like now we have non-Black people standing up and saying like, okay, we've got to do something. To be very clear, Black people have been fighting this fight forever
2: yeah yeah
3: (laughs) this is not new these 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 claims of anti-black racism these like these very very real cries are have been happening forever absolutely Mm -hmm. so like now the only thing that, that what's making it really different is that now we're having white voices, we're having, you know, Asian voices, we're having these other voices who are not speaking for, or, you know, but rather they're allowing black people to stand or to sit on their shoulders. They're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm using my platform. I'm using my privilege to give you the space to talk about what's real. Mm -hmm. And they're recognizing that like, this isn't a black and white issue. This isn't a you issue. This isn't a not me issue because I'm not racist. This is a humanity issue. People Mm -hmm. should be able to move through the world and not be afraid that they're going to be killed that the police is out to get them, that they can't get a job, that they can't move to a certain community. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't be able to do that. People shouldn't have mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. People should be judged by their character. There are people who are not the kindest or you know, like have you know, characteristics or whatever traits that don't coincide with your beliefs or what have you, and you have the right to create distance from those people. Mm-hmm. But it cannot be based on something so erroneous like race yeah. It's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. So I I say to you who with a, a you know a beautiful child who now you're exposing to like black dolls and maybe like you know music and whatever the case is is acknowledge the fact that like this is a black doll with black skin mm-hmm. and black people in this country you know are they're no different than you and than you and me. Mm-hmm. But they're often treated differently. Yeah. And we have to make sure that people know that they deserve to be treated the same. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be space for that and Yeah, I don't think you're doing your daughter damage or you're exposing her too early to any discussion about race. Because, you know, Shen and I are going to have to have discussions about race soon. Mm -hmm. Black kids Mm -hmm. are having those discussions with their parents at very young ages. So I don't think that non-black parents should be intimidated by dialoguing that way with their kids. Yeah,
1: it's not even that I was intimidated. I was just wondering because when I was young, my parents would tell me, oh, we're all equals.
3: And yeah, then I was yeah. like,
1: oh, maybe that's the wrong messaging, although their heart's in the right place. Maybe it's exactly. we're all different and that's OK. And here's the disparity mm-hmm. between certain races or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure.
3: Because the, the, the we're all equal motif is, is, is damaging because mm-hmm. then it's like, well, then racism doesn't exist. We're all equal.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: You know and the then, when it's like, mm.
0: <laughs> I, I have seen that argument, too, especially living in Canada brought to the indigenous population so yeah. much especially when people saying, oh well they don't pay taxes they get free schooling all this how come they don't take advantage of it and it's like well look where these people are living look where they're starting yeah. off look mm. what their education systems are like their healthcare systems yeah. are like mm-hmm. and then you go to poor communities across the US and Canada mm-hmm. and it's cyclical and it's so hard to get people out of that not through any fault of their own and just to kind of go along with what Shane was saying about kids. And I know uh, you said that you guys are going to be having discussions with your kids soon about race or you already have. What is it that – and sorry, I'm trying to word this properly because like racism is a white person problem and it's ultimately Mm. up to us and other white people to figure out where we're going wrong. However, I I do – and I am curious to know – from your perspective, what we can do as white people, as non-black people of color, to make your kids know they're safe, accepted, loved in their communities, and make it easier on you as parents.
3: Oh, that's powerful.
4: <laughs> um, I missed half of that whole spiel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> My computer froze. <laughs> no, is it, it? Yeah. It's all good. Um, no, it's good. I, I can start. And I think it's essentially it's like what can be done to make sure that like when and Yara feel safe, feel love, and that we don't have the that, that, that we don't have the burden of having to, you know, have these really tough conversations with our kids. And, you know, I think on the episode of our podcast where we talked about you know black moms and, and, and raising black kids, mm-hmm. one of the things that was stressed was teach your kids to love so that I don't have to teach my kids to fear. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, like, if you're teaching your kids that, like, it's important to love people and to be respectful and to know that being different yeah. is okay and that, like, you know, you know people who, like, you know, who wear religious headgear and that, that stuff is beautiful, it's different, it's unique. Like, mm-hmm. teaching them, like, that there's beauty in things that even they may not be able to identify with, but that there's beauty in it and it's worth honoring and worth loving will make our job a hell of a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Because part of it when I say that, like, you know, we're already having these race conversations it's like, we're not, I'm not telling Yara per se that she's going to experience racism, but I am reminding her that she's beautiful. Yeah, I'm yeah. reminding mm. her that her complexion is stunning. Mm-hmm. I'm telling her that her hair is okay and she can be, she's only 18 months yeah. and even as I comb her hair, I'm like, wow, your hair is so pretty. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, your hair is so nice. Wow, these curls are so beautiful. They're so tight. Like, I'm reinforcing in her what I feel like the world's going to tell her otherwise. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. Right? And that. So, so in that way, yes, those conversations are happening. So I think, again, if, in non-black homes, if parents are you know encouraging their kids to see beauty in different, I think that would make our lives somewhat easier. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say like oh, yeah. it won't take. Yeah, it'll take it'll ease it the a burden lot. a little bit. What about you, Shen? I think probably similar, but
4: it's similar. I, I was going to refer that episode, um, and you used the same quote, but it is the same as like if you if parents non-black parents have that conversation with their children, I think that would change even what we have to talk to our children about in the future.
3: And then teaching allyship, right? And, yeah. and, and teaching their, in the same way that like, you know, you're teaching your kids that like beauty is this and it's like you're telling them to love and to be kind. That's lovely, but you're also wanting your kids to be active allies where they're not only, you know, like recognizing beauty, but they're standing up. For injustice and it's never too young to teach your kids to champion for change mm-hmm. because yeah. like in the same way that you teach your kids to share you can te- and you know they and they're almost they're often scolding other kids who refuse to yeah. share something similar can be done to teach kids to reprimand and to like they need to be able to denounce those kinds of behaviors Yes, yeah. because you know the racist kids feel empowered because other kids laugh mm-hmm. or, you know, other kids don't like, they, no one says anything. So they feel like what they're, what they're doing is okay. And I don't want to say racist kids as though, like, there are mean, menacing, racist kids walking around, but kids who say things that are racially inappropriate, mm-hmm. get away with it because mm-hmm. people are scared to stand up. Yeah. So it's really important that those conversations are had too. Like, this is how, what mommy and daddy do and, and that, that those conversations are had, but that behavior is also modeled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Right. Yeah. I guess my question, it's so hard for me to word this question too, but I, I'm always thinking about hiring practices and mm-hmm. like at the top of companies, it's, it's always so white. I was talking to a friend about this the other day and, and how it's like usually, uh, whoops, okay, we have 10 minutes left here. I don't have the <laughs> Zoom upgrade. Okay, um, now basically for a black person to get the same job as a white person, they typically mm-hmm. have to work twice as hard. So do you think in the short term... It's a good idea to like flip that and make like make it favorable for black people, even if they're not as qualified as a white person, to put them in positions of power uh, to get them in in those higher positions. I can't word this properly, but I'm just wondering your thoughts on that, if you can even understand what I'm trying to say.
3: I understand what you're trying to say mm-hmm. and I so okay and this is not even to like you know to say anything about you specifically because mm-hmm. I'm sure like again you're, str- you're you're working through how to word a tough question yeah but the, the challenge often with those kinds of questions is it insinuates that, that there aren't black people who are qualified like you, yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. it's just like a, a black person would never feel comfortable like I don't want to be served by a black doctor who doesn't know what they're doing yeah. just mm-hmm. because they're a black doctor by a black doctor and I want like I do have a black pediatrician for Yara and because I, I thought that was important mm-hmm. and she's incredible she's just mm-hmm. as qualified as any other pediatrician she, mm-hmm. and she, she, she truly is so I think that what we want is we want an opportunity we want a seat at the table we want to be recognized as 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 our skill sets and you know our academic achievements to be honored accordingly for every job that exists whatever it is there is a black person with the qualifications to complete Mm -hmm. that job yeah there just is so there there, it doesn't have to be this thing where it's like oh now we have to hire this black person who like doesn't know what they're doing but here's the black face it's like no you're gonna hire a black person who can do that job just as good if not better but
1: but but i guess i guess mainly what i'm asking if there's two people they Both have the same qualifications. Yeah. We should go with the black people for now, right? To kind of even things up. Does that make sense? You know what I so, mean?
3: So, are you you're asking us if we believe in affirmative action?
1: Yes. Yeah, yes, I, I, I didn't do. know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew that. I just couldn't find that word. Yeah, we're
3: learning. Yeah, yeah. We're learning. No. That's okay. I don't know about, I don't know what Shen says. I maybe Shen feels differently, but I, I do. I think that that's important mm-hmm. because, like I said, I feel like part of the reason why, even at as a teacher, why we struggle often to get kids to go into certain like, you know, courses or to be streamlined in a certain way. And again, there's a lot of issues and a lot of systemic issues with black kids being streamlined into trades and, and mm-hmm. college. And not that there's anything wrong with those. My husband's a tradesman and he's very talented. But it's like that's an immediate thing with black kids because mm-hmm. they don't believe that they're capable of more. Um, but black kids often agree to those choices and those that, that streaming because they don't see it. right? They don't see enough of themselves in these positions that are, you know, university bound or that are entrepreneurial. So then they're like, well, why would I, why would I even bother? So Mm -hmm. affirmative action helps to level the playing field and it helps to get those faces in those spaces so that kids can feel empowered. So Mm -hmm. I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And
4: those things are important too, because I mean, as a mother now, think about when you want to put your kid in daycare or Mm -hmm. look for uh, the right school for your child, you look for various qualifications. What is the schedule like? What does the curriculum look like? And for a black mom, what's important to me is what does the staffing look like? Yeah. Absolutely. Their diversity, like, are is it a diverse room of children? Mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter to not see the representation of people of color as teachers or yeah. teachers or principals. Like, I think it's important for her to see that everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. And I have to actively go out and look for those things. Like Leigh said, she has a black pediatrician. Like, those things are important. I need my daughter to move through life and see that she's able to imagine herself, every occupation or you know every art. I need exactly. her to be bar- Just like when I used to go to the store as a child and I wanted a Barbie and there were no mm, black Barbies. Yes. Oh, girl. <laughs>
3: <But they're there. laughs> and and make uh, it look like mine <laughs> oh man ptsd yeah.
1: we were trying to buy a lucy one the other day it was impossible yeah. to find yeah. even on the internet yeah. we were trying to order it online we couldn't find one
0: and e- when we bought like we told you guys about the, like the black doll we got her so that was about a year ago from now she's had it for a while and even looking for that in toys r us in walmart there were two yeah. options literally two yeah. options yeah. and i was like man like a, should I be buying this? Am I taking away this away from like a black kid? I, I didn't know what to do. I bought it because yeah. ultimately I want Lucy to be exposed to different kinds of beauty.
3: Yeah. But
0: that was, that was such an awakening little yeah. experience in the toy store. And I felt like such an idiot.
3: We can share like all these black toy toasters that we know that have lots of black dolls. Mm-hmm. Could lo- you? There's, there's, if, there's, yeah, we absolutely
0: can. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys uh, send me a DM with them, I would love to share them when this episode goes up. That would oh, be fantastic. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. And sure. before we go, because we are running out of time, I wanna ask you guys we don't always know the right questions to ask. We don't always <laughs> <Clearly>. know <laughs> We yeah. don't always know how to view things because we there is a different perspective and Yeah. There is a, like almost like a language barrier. And I just want to know, is there something that we should be hitting that we have been blind to? Or is there anything before we leave you guys that you wanna say? on this issue
3: i would just say the biggest thing is is that recognize that this is this information is accessible to everyone Mm -hmm. everywhere like you know i i I joked with my friend that there isn't like a dna sample that like you know black people have to provide in order to get this like plethora of secret information that's exclusive to black. like it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. like it's just we just go to the internet and we, mm-hmm. in the same way that you search everything if your daughter had a rash today you would go right to google and yeah. you would throw it in. you would just describe it and you would throw it in and you would read and you would you know compare and you would share that's exactly what we're asking you to do with anti-black racism yeah. mm-hmm. rather than you know saying to your black friends your black co-workers like what do i do how do i how can i help like I, we appreciate the effort and like the, the, the tenacity there but even that in some ways is oppressive right because it's it's making the assumption that like okay like just tell me what to do and i'll do it and it's like you've got to have all the answers and you've got to help me through this but what what is i think is more supportive is you know i read through this i I lost this documentary i i read this thing and i'm like this i'm just really i'm still a little bit confused by it. like you know have you heard of this or like does this make sense to you mm-hmm. or like that's better like show me that you've done Some work. Yeah. Right. And it could be anything like how to be an ally, like anti-black racism in Canada, Mm -hmm. anti-black racism in schools. You know, any idea that you want to search, you search it. So just search it.
1: And my last question is about black influencers. I think like two pods ago, my wife was saying how there seems to be way more white influencers than black influencers. Do you feel like that's true or it's just my wife and me aren't following black influencers? (laughs) This is a good question for Sen
4: <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that depending on what you're into, there are more than enough black influencers mm-hmm. in every genre. I just think a lot of people don't look for them. I have a variety of interests, <laughs> like comic books and <laughs> <hair> <laughs> and home decor and I, I can find black influencers. I think you just have to look for them. Yeah. they're mm-hmm. out there. They specialize in everything you can find. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, a lot of black influ- influencers don't get the same platform that white well, that's, influencers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of the problem that
0: I was recognizing.
1: Right. So there's probably the same number. It's just they're not as popular. So. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so essentially like what you guys were saying about, you know, having to go out of your way to search for those diverse schools, search for, you know, Uh teachers that are of color, are black. People need to be going out and like white people need to be going out and also searching for those things because the work's not on you. The work is on us. So Uh we can't be lazy. We need to get off our asses and do these (laughs) things. And we we are now under a minute – and okay. I just want to say, where can people go to find your podcast, hear more about your interests and follow you guys as moms? Because a lot of moms listen to our podcast and you are right up their alley. So where can they go to find you?
4: You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Anchor. And you can also follow us on Instagram at WTN podcast.
0: Mm. WTN podcast.
4: Beautiful. Follow us
0: friends. Ladies, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you so much for... <laughs> oh, no. I was wondering. I don't know if Jen
3: can join. Should I add her to this? Oh, no. You're dealing with two people at a time. I have oh, no we idea.
0: Add. We got kicked out. I and We are like, add. how can we finish this? Add-, add away. Here. Can
1: I do Yeah, this? I got, I got the mic ahead. here. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we just wanted to record the goodbye. I'm. I'm just going to use the microphone <laughs> to record this. Okay. We're back. Okay. <laughs> All right, Alex, hit up the goodbye where you were. All right. I, <laughs> this is so crazy. <laughs> Sorry,
0: girls. Yeah, we have not forked out for the premium Zoom. Quarantine hasn't been long enough yet. But again, we do want to say thank you so much for your time. And I know Lay said something so powerful about walking around with open wounds. And I know that this conversation... Reopens things like that, and I we really do truly appreciate you being so candid with us tonight. Thank you, girls, so much for your time.
4: Thank
0: you for having us. Oh, gosh, anytime it's the best. I just like talking to podcast neighbors, too. All right,
1: right, well, thank you so much and have a great night.
0: Thank you. Bye, guys. guys. Take care. See ya.
1: Okay, so what'd you think of that one?
0: It, they were so great, honestly, and I knew that they would be. Uh, just talking to them, kind of leading up before the interview, we had a phone call just to get to know each other. They asked nerve wracking. Well, they asked, they asked, they said, "Hey, can we can we call you to just kind of touch base?" And I kind of shit my pants. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like nobody's asked to do this before, so I was like, "Yeah, for sure." So we get on a call. I am terrified because you know they're buddies, and you know they're talking about you beforehand and after the phone call, but the second i was on with them it was so easy it was just like when they were on the podcast they're so easy to talk to they're like pals that you've known for a long time and they were easy to have this difficult conversation with so i really appreciated them and i appreciated how warm they were because it really helped uh it really helped with that
1: okay now next up is the one the only
0: we have Susie Allison from Busy Toddler.
1: Yeah, I call her B- Busy Toddler. I guess she has a name.
0: She has a name. <laughs> It'd be perfect
1: for her business if her first name was Busy and her last name was Toddler.
0: Well, that would be a little, t- like, a little two on the nose. That's like Wes Anderson on the nose. What do you mean? Like if her first name was Busy and her last name was Toddler. And she owned a company called Busy Toddler.
1: Like Wes Anderson does that in his movies?
0: No, but it just seems like something that he'd do. Like something so like... Too quirky or something.
1: Okay, let's get <laughs> let's get to that interview with
0: Susie Allison
1: from Busy Toddler. Toddler. But first, I'd like to let everyone know through my wife that
0: we are supported by Hello Bello. So this is the company that's been co-founded by parents Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. It's an eco-friendly line that was created to eliminate the choice that so many parents face when it comes to what's best for their kids. And what's best for their wallet?
1: All of their products are amazing.
0: They are amazing.
1: I love their diapers, though, in particular, because putting them on—don't you just feel the quality and comfort? And I almost wish—I know I said this with the bras, <laughs> <laughs> but I almost wish I could wear the diapers. Don't they think? Don't you think they'd be the most comfortable? Shane,
0: diapers? I am. You can vouch for me oh you I are curr- wearing a diaper I now. currently am wearing a diaper I am wearing an adult diaper and I cannot tell you how badly I wish this was the hello Bello child's diaper because I mean this one's give me an itchy bum and they are so soft when I put them on Lucy and Betty
1: and we just did a crazy photo shoot where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which we talked about at the top but they're so cute the designs and you're Not that this is a huge thing to matter, but Lucy loves the designs.
0: It is pretty cute asking her, like, what's on her diaper every day. She gets really excited for certain ones. Don't
1: they update them? uh, Three times a year. Yeah, so that's very cool. So
0: you can get kind of like seasonal patterns. And everything, what I love about Halabello, is plant-based. It's hypoallergenic. Could you
1: eat the diapers?
0: I wouldn't suggest it. No,
1: not when they're used.
0: (laughs) No, I I wasn't even thinking that. Okay. I don't think you can eat them. Okay and I wouldn't try, but they are amazing diapers, and they're made of a mix, as I said, of plant-based materials and then thoughtfully chosen traditional materials in order to deliver you that super absorbent leak protection and give your kids a comfy and soft fit and feel. So, Shane, have we had any blowouts since using Halabello?
1: What's a blowout?
0: Like when a kid poops through their diaper. Oh, no,
1: we haven't. I know. That's a great point. That
0: is a great point. Oh,
1: so... <laughs> <laughs> never thought of that. Yeah, with our first with lucy before hello bello we had that all the time
0: i know i know and like when she was a newborn like betty and we haven't had any with betty yet so it's been really amazing you can get hello bello diapers at hellobello.ca and if you like to shop in store you can get them in store as well so visit the store locator on hellobello.ca enter your postal code and they'll let you know the store nearest you that sells them however we highly recommend you get your diapers from hellobello.ca. Because Just then for your
1: first purchase, because you're getting 30% off. Exactly. This is not an audible typo. I actually said 30% off.
0: So using the promo code thisfamilytree30 at checkout, you can get 30% off your first diaper bundle. That's huge. We want you to take advantage of this. So go do it. Get a bundle.
1: But this is for Canadians only. It is, And I know sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, you win some, you lose some. If you're in the States, I'm sorry. But, you know, talk to maybe your uh, Canadian. If you're in Buffalo, maybe drive over to Canada.
0: Heck yeah. So worth it. We got, we got the cheap dollar and the 30% off. So use this family treat for 30% off. And
1: say hello to organic ingredients.
0: And goodbye to all the bad stuff.
1: But we are also supported by...
0: Seedlip the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. That is something fascinating that they can even do that. I didn't know that non-alcoholic spirits existed until we Well, they didn't exist. Well, as I'm saying, until we ran into Seedlip at a bar a few months ago. Seedlip is crafted without alcohol or sugar or calories, and they solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking.
1: And if you're like I was and thought, oh, this is going to be probably not for me, You may be wrong, because now it's definitely for me, and I can't even believe I'm saying this right now, (laughs) I prefer this to genuine alcohol, especially as a parent, especially as a new dad who needs to sleep. I wake up so clear headed, Mm -hmm. but I feel relaxed while I'm drinking it in the same way I did when I was actually drinking alcohol.
0: Yeah. So if you do listen to our podcast regularly, you know that Shane and I start off our podcast with a seed lip cocktail. So tonight we made one called time, super delicious, super refreshing. And honestly, the second I took a sip, I just kind of felt my whole body like exhale and just Mm -hmm. totally calm down. It was a really great feeling. And
1: I feel like a cool like guy when I'm drinking because <laughs> like, we do put a little bit more, uh, more effort into making the drinks. Yes. And something makes me feel suave.
0: Well, the cocktails themselves are swap They're not just like any fruity beverage that you get, you know, when you're not drinking, whether it's through pregnancy or sober or those October crappy, sugary
1: mocktails. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. So you can actually go to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca, and they'll give you recipes to these beautifully designed cocktails that different uh, bartenders, mixologists, that different mixologists have made all over the world using seedlip, and they are incredibly sophisticated, incredibly tasty. And will make you feel like you are not missing out on anything. Except the bad decisions.
1: (laughs) Alex is just throwing audibles out here. And I like it. I'm not complaining. Yeah, you're right. I have made some bad decisions under the influence. But never under Seedlip.
0: Never under Seedlip. Only good stuff.
1: So how do people get Seedlip? Let's cut to the chase here.
0: You can go to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca Follow Seedlip Social on Instagram, and you can find more ways to enjoy it. They have three flavors, which I'm hoping you guys will love. They have the Grow 42, Spice 94, and Garden 108. Shane, quickly tell me your favorite.
1: The Garden 108?
0: Yeah, it's delicious. Let us know. We would be more than happy to see what kind of drinks you guys can come up with.
1: But let's get on to that interview with...
0: Susie Allison of. Busy toddler. (laughs) That's right. Hi. Hi.
1: Susie, I'm so sorry for being late. Our Zoom was not working.
5: Don't worry about it. I'm just, you know, sitting here having a little mom vacation by myself. So I'm fine. (laughs) That doesn't sound too bad at all. How are you today? Oh, it was fantastic. How are you guys doing? Are you ready for this? I mean, this is a big weekend for you guys.
0: No, no. To put it, I don't know, just to be blunt, I do not feel ready in the sense that our house is a disaster. It's
1: not that bad we're cleaning it up
0: we're cleaning it up we're cleaning it. we're in the process but mentally i'm there i'm just I'm there mentally I want to have this kid out i'm tired of being pregnant so we're ready in that way but <laughs> <laughs>
5: Whatever. It's a second kid. It only gets worse from there. Like By the time we had Matt, we were like, oh, yeah, we're having a baby today. Ugh, whatever.
1: <laughs> I was watching you on a morning show, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have seven kids, do you?
5: No, no. I don't have seven kids. Those were my um, two best friends who have always like helped me with Busy Toddler and like done stuff with me, and so then they... We slept all the kids together. It was, you know, back in the glory days of pre-COVID when we could yes. actually see people. And yeah,
1: you have three children.
5: I have three, and so yeah. Sam is seven, Kate's five, and Matt's three.
1: Right. So okay.
5: I would say like moving out of the thick of it. What
1: do you think the biggest transitional challenge was? Zero to one, one to oh, two. Oh, definitely two, three. zero to
5: one. Yeah. Okay. Good. For us, I think it was just zero to one, just like trying to get our feet wet, and then one to two is pretty rough. After that, like two to three. When we had our third, Chuck said, "I think I understand why people will have like five, six, and seven kids because you just don't care anymore. You just lost all. It's like it's a dumpster fire. What's one
1: more loss?" <laughs> so you may mean- end up actually having seven, is what you're saying?
5: No, we stopped at three. Right. Three was a good number. I had to have three C sections, and I was just that was done for my body.
1: Yeah. By the time
5: we had our third, I was 33 right. when I had Matt. And I just like three C-sections in three years. They were all huge, like 11 pound children. And
2: I
0: was like, that's my nightmare. That is my nightmare. Well, not even C-sectioning one of those, but just dealing with 11 pound weight in your gut. It was,
5: it was huge. It was just like this, like heavy, (laughs) like unbelievably heaviness. Yeah. You know, whenever my friends like will have kids now, and by the time they get to like three months old, they're about 11 pounds. And I always hold them like against my belly. And I'm like,
0: that feels right. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, no wonder why you are the woman behind a Busy Toddler. Because that, being outnumbered by kids, is something oh, that yeah. I could not do. Like, we're getting a snip after this yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And you're, I love what you say on your page, just making it to nap time one activity yeah. at a time. Yeah. And especially during quarantine, that's how I have felt every single day. It's been so hard. 100%. So you focus everything around play-based learning, and I just wanted to get to the importance of that.
5: Definitely. I mean, so for me, I was a teacher. That was my background. So that's where I came from was this idea of, well, how do we help children? How do we help them learn the best? Mm-hmm. And the more I researched and the more I looked into it, the more I thought about the kids that I had in my class, it was those moments of hands-on when they yes. could take the learning and they're putting it in their hands and they're doing with it rather than those times of them just sitting at a desk and you're lecturing them, kind of the what we think of traditional school looking mm-hmm. like. And so I wanted to translate that into a home setting. It came about when I had a 20 month old and a newborn and I was drowning and I was like, I I have to find a better way to be a better parent in the mornings to Sam because I was so exhausted and I was so drained Mm -hmm. and I realized I kind of had two choices. I could go down this one path where Daniel Tiger was raising him, (laughs) (laughs) which is where things started and that was fine. But I realized... OK, Mother Tiger is either going to raise him or I've got to find a way to kind of reconnect with my little buddy. because yeah. I, I really missed having of this course. like little friend that I had had this great 20 months. We had a great 20 months. And then yeah. this, you know, other kid came Didn't along. She? Yeah. Or, she turned out to be great. So it's fine. <laughs> that worked out. But I just really missed connecting with him. And yeah. so mornings were where we were struggling the most. And I thought I, I want him to be learning more than the TV. <laughs> I want to <laughs> be playing with him. And so I'm going to start doing these little activities with him, just Mm -hmm. tiny little setups to give us something to do. It'll pass the time. It'll help us make it to nap time. And so I would put Kate down for her morning nap, that kind of like mid-morning, newborn-y kind of nap. And then instead of putting Sam on the TV, which is what I had Mm -hmm. been doing, and that was fine at the time, but I was ready to come out of that. And I started making little activities for him. And it just started snowballing from there. And then eventually it was like a couple months later that I hopped on Instagram one day and I was like, I wonder if anybody's taken the name Busy Poster and nobody had. Whoa, that's
0: that's pretty lucky. Good for you. We always talk about getting Instagram names and the importance of getting a great one. And you got the best one. And I find, you know, I love it. Yeah, it says everything. But what I find so interesting is that and like from more people that we talk to, it's all these genius ideas and businesses come from a place that women like you or women like Kara from taking care of babies they Mm -hmm. find themselves in a position where they're tired where possibly desperation of just needing to get out of you know status quo and do something so I like that's where it started with you so how did you start like encouraging your kids to get into this play-based learning
5: So for us, it was just really natural. I just started putting out little, for me, it started really with sensory bins. And Mm -hmm. that's always been kind of a passion of mine where you just take like a storage container and you just kind of throw bins of messes of stuff like rice or water, ice cubes into a bin. And you just kind of let them have this free range, little experience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, Doing that each morning, the kids just started connecting with it more and more and resonating with it. And now now we're at a time where, I mean, it's five years later, and even Sam at seven will come downstairs and he'll be like, can we just, is there an activity? I'd love to do an activity. And he'll open up our laundry room and we have this kind of like not fancy looking supply area. It's not fancy. And he'll stand there and he'll look with me and he'll be like, hmm, I'd like some cornmeal and I'd like some construction vehicles yeah. and I'm good. And he's seven, and he'll just sit there and play because that's all he's ever known is sitting and playing and engaging with his learning and doing this kind of hands-on stuff. I remember it was a couple; it was maybe two years ago. We were in a Costco, and he stumbled on a workbook. Oh,
2: look
5: at there! And he goes, "What is this?" <laughs> and I said, well, "This is another way for kids to learn." And he goes. Mm, it's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: kidding.
5: And I said, you're so the kid of busy toddlers. <laughs> you're the original busy toddler. So this is how we know.
1: Did you blow up just when the second quarantine hit? Did you find you got like 300 more thousand followers or something? Like yeah,
5: that- I think it ended up being when quarantine started, I had like three, I think I had 750,000 when, mm-hmm. when COVID hit. And it was like so funny. Not mm-hmm. funny. Not
0: we know funny. what you mean.
5: The world ended, it was my birthday and we had all these kind of plans for my birthday and I had things I was going to do on Instagram and how I was going to celebrate. And the night before my birthday was when school got canceled around here. We knew the kids were coming home. Suddenly what had been this very, I'm in Seattle, so Mm -hmm. we were in that first wave. And I'm in this position where I'm going, I'm watching everything collapse in front of us. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in a really unique position where I'm set up. to -hmm. to have my kids come back home and to receive them back in the home and to keep working with them here. But I'm about it. Like Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of parents that are about to be thrown into a job that they didn't sign up for. You know, being a stay-at-home parent is a really difficult job Mm -hmm. and it's very different than being a working parent. And working parents is a very hard job and very difficult job and to suddenly be thrown into kind of a combo role yeah. or a role where we're trying to do this weird hybrid and also be a teacher to your child. And and I could see within like 12 hours watching the news and watching my friends online and things like that. And I was like, the world is collapsing. Yeah. The systems that we've set in place that some of us, you know, going to work have set in place for years and we depend on daycare or we depend on grandma coming over or the school system. And I watched them all start classing. And that all happened on my birthday. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
5: And I immediately was like, I kind of just had to shift my mindset mm-hmm. on the, the activities I was sharing and trying to think from a standpoint of we can't go to Michael's anymore and we can't go to Hobby Lobby and Amazon is running out of these supplies. Yeah. So we've got to start using what we've got. And so on that day I had about, I think the beginning of that week I had 750,000 I gained 50,000 that week. So by my birthday I hit 800 and then a month later I hit a million.
1: Wow, good That's birthday amazing. gift right
5: Congrats. there. <laughs> it was a and it was, and it's been a very odd time ever since then just yeah. trying to help so many parents navigate this idea of mm-hmm. making it through nap time and then I started joking with my community that we're now we're making it through school closure one activity mm-hmm. at a time. And just trying to pivot from this position where I am busy toddler and toddlers will always be my passion. And you know, going back to like, that was a great name to pick. Um, I'm running out of toddlers, <laughs> <laughs> but that there's this idea that now we've, my whole mission has always been, I'm gonna help parents with their children that are at home. Mm-hmm. And now the breadth of age group of children at home spans up into our elementary kids. Yeah, right. And so trying to be able to connect back with families who have those older kids mm-hmm. That was, became a really crucial pivot point for me to try to say, I'm going to help with the toddlers. I need to help with preschool kids. But then there's also this group of kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 that are suddenly thrown at home with a toddler sibling or mm-hmm. with a preschool sibling. And now you have parents who are trying to work, they're trying to teach, and they're trying to manage a multi-age family. And so that's yeah. kind of where this shift has been over the last couple months.
1: Well, that's me. what I wanted to ask you about, actually, because we have a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to seem like I'm... Terribly irresponsible here, but we've been putting Lou in front of the TV mm-hmm. during this time, okay. just because you I'm working. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working absolutely. and kind of keeping one eye on her and trying to keep an eye on my work also. Mm-hmm. So with the busy toddler, are most of your activities involving the the parent has to be necessarily directly involved, or is there some good ones where I can be kind of working on my laptop and? kind of like instead of the TV, she has another busy activity. Yeah,
5: there are. And I always call those sitter-vising activities. That's always been this idea I've had that the holy grail of parenting should be sitting to supervise them. Mm -hmm. This is what I want from my world. I want to sit with my coffee. Me too. Or now sit with my laptop and work and be able to just supervise from a seated position. Yes. (laughs) It's basically what we're doing when we're working parents. So for me, that always meant creating these activities that had a long lifespan for the child and that the child could start. We kind of in my like world of activities, we call this an invitation to play where you're setting up for the child, this invitation to start using their mind, their brain, their hands, and to start their play. And you're basically creating a catalyst for their play. So in my house, this is most often done in a sensory bin where I'll take that bin and I'll fill it with rice and I'll put in some supplies And I've set up a little bit of an invitation for them to go play with something Mm -hmm. else. And I always joke with my thirdborn; it's an invitation to not reattach his umbilical cord to me is often (laughs) what it is. That would be his dream. And I can set it down next to where I'm working and they're engaged and they're playing and they're doing this really significant work inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And all I need to be doing is sitting there and making sure that, you know, they're safe and nobody's choking and that, Things are going as well as we can expect. And then what ends up happening with this kind of invitation to play is that then the child, they get so locked into this world of their own imagination and their own creativity and their own play that mm-hmm. then it just starts to translate into, okay, well, you know, mom put this in, I'm going to go grab my Paw Patrol and brought my Paw Patrol in. And I, I got to go upstairs and get this horse because the horse would want to eat the rice. And now they're bringing other toys in. And what started as a really simple activity in a really simple sensory bin has now grown into this hour long play marathon because I basically invited them into this world of play.
1: Right. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research before this interview and you were speaking on asking your kids more complicated questions. And I kind of, I'm always asking Lou the dumbest questions possible because I think I'm underestimating her intelligence a little bit. So for example, if she has an apple, I'll be like, is that an apple? Yeah. Is that, is that red? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm out of questions here. But you were kind of talking about introducing more complex questions, because maybe toddlers are smarter than we give them credit for.
5: Oh, yeah, they're 100% smarter than we give them credit for. I think toddlers are to me one of the most like underappreciated group of people and learners. And it's not from a position where we need to like set them down at a desk and like, oh, we're going to start handwriting. And oh, I'm going to teach my two year old read. It's, it's not that. It's that we can open up this child child, to what I always say, let's give them an early childhood experience and exposure. Let's give them these experiences and let's give them exposure to really complicated and complex learning. It is so much more than these very basic yes, no questions Mm -hmm, that we often end up asking, what color is that? You know, Mm -hmm. instead of looking at an apple, we can say, why is it round? What could I do with that apple? What could you do with the apple? There was this Jeez. great study done years ago where they asked a group of kids what could they do with a paperclip. And as the kids got older, they had less ideas for what to do with that paperclip. I depressing. was just going to
1: say, I have no idea why an apple's round. And I was like, if Lucy could tell me that, that would be amazing.
5: <laughs> well, and it's not so much that she can tell you why it's round, yeah. but she'll come up with ideas and right. theories and hypotheses on why it's round. And she's going to make predictions and she's going to start creating and she's going to start evaluating and explaining, and that's what we want learning to look like in the mm. early years. In the early years, we often get really focused on what I always call the party trick skills, which are things like your toddler can do the ABCs. Well, mm-hmm. that's just memorizing some symbols. Like yeah. that's cool. It's cool. Like, no, don't get me wrong, it's really cool that they can do that, but it's really no different than memorizing princesses yeah. or dinosaur names. It's just they're memorizing names of an object. And I always say it's you know, it's a lot like animal names. Mm-hmm. We see a cow we say moo, we see an M, we say, mm, it's the same skill, but we end up overvaluing this idea that they should be able to memorize ABCs or memorize yeah. counting. And, and that that is going to be the catalyst to this lifelong learning. And yeah. this is what's going to determine if they go to an Ivy League college. And it really isn't. It's at mm-hmm. higher level thinking. And what can their brain actually do? And instead of just focusing on these very basic kind of rudimentary skills if instead we open them up to this world of experiences and give them exposure and then if instead we could make this amazing parenting shift into saying you know what that will come that's actually pretty basic it's kind of low level on the thinking Mm -hmm. skills and instead I'm going to really hyper focus on my child being a thinker on them evaluating the world on them interpreting the world on, on them creating things and imagining things and holding things in their hand those are the skills that are gonna translate actually later in life
0: to them being a better learner. Yes. And we yeah sorry, I'm that excites me because No, you're here. No, um so I, I'm in education as well. I teach high school and what i see missing from so many students is the fact that they do not have critical thinking skills they don't and you're and trying that's to teach what we're building it. yeah and yes. i i think it's so great to start you know fostering that kind of learning when they're young and then continuing to encourage it as they get older so for yeah. parents who are kind of just starting to think about this like oh man like my kid only makes moo sounds what are some good items that like you know starter items that they could have around the house that'll help with that kind of learning? I
5: think when, you know, piggybacking off of what you said, when we're talking about critical thinking, when we're thinking about kids learning and we're thinking about how kids learn, they learn mm-hmm. through play. It's a yeah. very basic idea. Kids learn through play, they learn by doing. So that means we need to audit our toys and we need to look at the toys that we're providing them. Toys are the tool for play, and we want to make sure we have the best tools possible. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean the fanciest, and it doesn't mean the most batteries, and it doesn't mean the biggest, it's very basic, open-ended toys. We call them open-ended toys that a child can play with and create and will span, you know, a sizable chunk of their life. Mm -hmm. When you think about a set of wooden blocks, you imagine what the child can do with that at age two. And I see kids still playing with their wooden blocks up to like age 10 and the breadth of that play and what they can do and the complexity of that play because they've had this amazing tool. So what I would always suggest for parents is that they go back, go to your playroom, Audit the toys. Weed out what you don't need anymore. Weed out the broken, what they're not playing with. Think of it like a kitchen drawer. It's so frustrating when we go to our kitchen (laughs) drawer and we need to find a tool and like everything's, and then we just get frustrated and we're like, I'm I'm done. That's how it is with kids and play. If they go into their play space and things are overrun and things are crowded and they can't find what they're looking for, then their brains get overwhelmed and that's when they come to us and we're like, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You have a room full of toys. Well, the problem is they couldn't find the toys that they needed to play with. Mm-hmm. So weed out the stuff that's broken. Weed out the stuff they've outgrown or they're not playing with anymore. If you're not ready to donate it, just move it to a box, to the garage and just hold fire for a little bit and just think about it and really look at what toys are they actually playing. When we think about like a little toy computer for a kid or a toy that they can push a button and it sings to ABCs. Mm-hmm that toy is doing a great job learning and that toy is doing a great (laughs) job working, but the child actually isn't doing any of the critical learning with that toy relying on the toy to do it for them
1: what are your thoughts on an ipad
5: it it is popular and it's a great tool to have we certainly have one that we keep around for emergency situations but it's never something that's like Mm -hmm. a go-to for my kids and it's not something they're allowed to just ask for the ipad and sit and play on because again that's really low level play for them and it's a device is doing the learning the device is playing and i want my kids to be the one playing i want them to Mm -hmm. be the ones immersed in this and that's where they're going to build that critical thinking the empathy responsibility, the risk-taking, all of those skills that are going to end up
0: translating Mm -hmm.
5: into the high school years, into the college years, and into making them a really amazing
0: learner. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So when you have a kid like ours, so our daughter Lucy, she's just over two, and she is rambunctious as hell. So she'll start playing with one thing, and you know, you made a great point about she'll go in her toy room and come out and just get frustrated because she has too much in the way. But if she sits down and plays something, it's like I feel like she'll play with it for five minutes before she wants to switch to something else. So what's a good way to kind of encourage them to keep playing? Like if I brought out a sensory bin, my fear would be that she would make a mess in two minutes and then just ditch it. So how do I kind of work on extending that? So what you're
5: talking about is just their attention span and their play Mm -hmm. attention span. And toddlers are incredible, especially because they have a really short attention span. And it's not a bad thing. They tend to work the room like they're a politician at like a campaign function, like Mm -hmm. from toy to toy to toy to toy to (laughs) toy. And that's fine they're just taking in what they need from that toy and they're moving on their brains move so much faster than ours mm-hmm. and at such a high level and it really is okay if you're watching them bounce from toy to toy it's like trying on clothes in a dressing room they're trying this one on Meh, it was okay they're trying that one on Meh, it was okay and they're looking for what the best play is for them and in the two-year-old years and the three-year-old years especially They're gonna try on a lot of toys to figure Mm -hmm. out where does their play hit and where does it play the best and what grabs them the best. But they need to have that exposure and that experience and to allow them to do that. I think Mm -hmm. we get really frustrated as parents because we want them to sit and have these long attention spans and it's just not (laughs) gonna happen. That's just not how they're wired. They might, you might end up with a toddler who finds something and is like, yep, giddy up and sits for 30 minutes with it. And that's amazing. And if Mm -hmm. you do see that happen, Write it down, remember what it was, and try to find other toys or other experiences that are similar to that. My Mm -hmm. son, when he was two, he hated art. So I didn't bring art out a lot. I wasn't going to sit and make him do art because he had about a five-minute attention span. And then he was like, I'm Mm -hmm. good. But I did realize that what he loved was building. And so we ended up with all these toys really targeted at building. Also different blocks, different connectors, different little things, lots of Legos. And I started to move us in a path of, well, we're going to, he loves building. So that's what we're going to focus on instead of saying, well, but I want him to like this. And I want him to like that. and I want him to do this. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's what he liked. And that's yeah. what he wanted. And I needed to honor that in him and to figure out what it was he loved and to just move forward with that. And so when you have a toddler and you're trying to get them to play more <laughs> with toys and stuff, limit what they have mm-hmm. so that they can find the good stuff. Have a good like array of and, variety so that they can make different choices and so that you can watch and audit what they're doing and figure out how you can translate that into longer play. And then just to remember that as they age, it's gonna grow. The attention right. span is gonna grow and it's gonna get there. They just need time. Yeah. They just need time right now.
1: How are your activities for parents who, cause I, I'm just gonna assume you're an A type personality. I might be wrong.
5: <laughs> oh, <100. laughs>
1: So I'm like, I don't know what the worst personality type is, but let's say C or D. I have like a very disorganized mind so does Alex and we're very unartistic people. Will your activities apply to us or is it just gonna be so much stress to get these things together?
5: No, it's not. Most of my activities use what you have around your house and I don't ask people to buy a lot of supplies. When I started Busy Toddler, I had a 25 month old when I opened it. I had a five month old and I didn't have this chance to like, oh, I'm going to drive to Hobby I'm going to go to Michael's. I'm going to spend a hundred dollars. I'm going to spend an hour prepping it. And then maybe my kid will play with it for 37 seconds. That's not, I can't do that. That's not going to happen. And I'm not, I'm not a crafty artistic person. I always joke that when you see my activity against someone else's activity, it's like their activity is very Pinterest worthy Mm -hmm. and (laughs) real classy. Mine is real not (laughs) I'm like, I took a box and I laid it on the ground and I drew a road on it. And, you know, it worked. I
1: saw you going down a slide recently. That was very cool. My gosh,
5: the slide was amazing. That was all my husband. That was busy husband. He took a bunch of boxes, taped them together. We'd seen a video on Facebook and we were like, that has to happen. And I want to say that was over a month. We kept that slide up on our stairs.
1: And you were able to go even go down it. And that was safe for you. Yes. (laughs) so it's even fun for parents this busy yeah
5: you know and and like going back to this idea of like you know the the box road which is one of my kids' most favorite activities and all i do is i take an amazon box i cut it open flat i take a marker i draw the worst looking road i'm not Mm -hmm. an artist and i set their blocks i set their magnetic tiles and i set their little animals and i'm like go at it people and they do and they have the most amazing time and it'll stand for hours and days and weeks just with this one box written with Sharpie on it. And so it's, it's just not complicated stuff because I never want someone to look at stuff and be like, I can't do that.
0: And that's what I love about your page. And, you know, when I first had my daughter and people were suggesting you to me, I started following you, even though she was too young to get into that. I'm like, I got to get yeah. in the headspace because this is what I suck at the most. And early in this pregnancy, when I was so, so sick, I did Lego baths almost every single day they saved my life I'd be puking in the toilet and Mm -hmm. Lucy would be playing with all her blocks in the bathtub it was amazing and honestly it like it saved my sanity so I love that those things are so accessible
5: yeah that's what I always wanted I always wanted it to be accessible and I always wanted parents to be able to look at and be like I can do this right now Mm -hmm. and not have to think oh I need to run to the store to get that or we don't have that I always want it to be, you can do this on the fly. You can run, you can put your kid in the bath, you can dump in the Legos and you can go puke in the toilet and
1: everything. (laughs) Yeah, put that on your uh, website.
5: (laughs) Yeah, this is my testimonial.
1: But I know you. every toddler is different, obviously, as you said, and some people are going to be attracted to certain activities and some aren't. But that being said, what is one universal activity that you find works for almost every toddler?
5: The popsicle bath. It's the holy grail. (laughs) It's the popsicle bath you put them in the bathtub and you hand them a popsicle and you go and sit on the floor and that's your activity and it will go on for so long and it will make them so happy. Popsicle baths have this way of like resetting a toddler's mood, a parent's mood. If you're sick, if they're sick, if you're tired, if they're tired, if you're grumpy, if they're grumpy, popsicle bath. So step one,
1: pour bath. Step two, grab a popsicle. Step three, give it (laughs) to the kid.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's it's very complicated. So that's good. With all these. I can do that. Anytime I've tried something from you, it's been such a success. But I imagine this is because you work through it first with your kids. See what's good. See what's worth it. Have there ever been like total flops? Like what's your biggest flop activity?
5: I didn't think. You know, I uh, and I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know that I can even think of one that's been like a complete bust. And this is why we got yeah. you on today.
0: It's like You're
1: asking experts. Celine Dion for her worst <laughs> song or something.
5: Well, we've, there have been times where we've been like, I wonder if this would work. And it's like, no, it doesn't work. You can't put that on a window. It doesn't hmm. stick. And, you know, and we will kind of like, oh, that pom pom ball doesn't stick there. OK, well, we'll move on. When you get into doing activities with your kids and when you get into play with your kids, You start to realize what it is they like. Mm -hmm. And I always joke when people say, my kid didn't like that activity. I say, of course they didn't. They're your kid. And and your kid is going to like what your kid is going to like. And my kid will like what my kid and my page is tailored to what these three Mm -hmm. specific kids like. And I, that's why you see my daughter always doing activities with fine motor skills. And she's a very intricate person. She likes to line things up and you'll always see her doing that. You're not gonna see my oldest doing that because he doesn't like it and I know he doesn't and I'm not gonna set that up for him. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, you see my youngest in a sensory bin all the time. That's his jam, that's what he loves and I'm gonna put him in that. And then going back to my oldest, you'll see him a lot in building activities, activities that require Mm -hmm. big motor skills and that kind of stem critical thinking. And I really work to just tailor it to what my kids like and if they really don't like something, then I say, okay, I know this for next time and mm-hmm. this isn't your kind of activity and we'll move it to a different kid or, a, you know, another kind of kid will like this activity. And I think it's just so important. It's like food. You, mm-hmm. you honor what kind of food they like and you know what kind of food they like. And that's the same thing with activities and with toys and all kinds of play. You just, you know your kid and you start to know what is going to grab them and what isn't.
1: Okay, Susie, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that.
0: We are supported by Tushy Bidets. Shane, what is your optimal Tushy experience?
1: Well, I just kind of go number two and wet my butt. (laughs) Not to oversimplify it, but...
0: But here's the thing. It's intricate. Do you put it on the lowest level where it's just kind of like a warm kiss? Or do you go full-on butt wash?
1: I go full bum wash uh, because I need to. Uh, We've talked about this before, and I don't want to belabor the details too much, but I have a hairy butthole, and for a a lot of men do, seriously, and it's hard to get clean Mm -hmm. back there, like fully clean. I mean, like you might do a bunch of wipes, and then you just give up, and you know, it's, you're not clean.
0: It's true, it's true, and I gotta say though, as a postpartum woman right now, I'm two weeks after having my baby. The gentlest little warm kiss of a wash is doing it for me, and It feels so nice because I'm telling you, wiping down there right now, it just
1: hurts. And if a bird pooped on you, you wouldn't wipe it off with a dry towel. You would use a wet nap or you'd wet a paper towel. So it's pretty barbaric that we were wiping our butt without water for all these years. I can't
0: believe that we did that. I can't Mm -hmm. believe that we lived like that, just walking around. With dirty butts.
1: Well, we tried wet wipes for a brief period, but it clogged our toilet and caused a problem with my bum that I will not talk about.
0: (laughs) And you know what? Tushy is an amazing, unconventional gift for anyone in your life. Everyone has an ass. And everyone deserves a Tushy, especially since they're only $79.
1: And Tushy is spelled T-U-S-H-Y because someone asked me how to spell it.
0: Well, there you go. And if you go to www.hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree, you can get 10% off your very own Tushy bidet.
1: So that website again is hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree. And you can get 10% off at checkout, and you will not regret this. I promise you that. But let's get back to our interview with Susie Allison.
0: With three kids in the house, and this is something that we're going to have to start dealing with every day, but what's your approach to sharing between the kids?
5: Sharing is hard, and it's a complex skill. It's a really, really abstract concept for kids like you know when a kid looks at something they're like what's mine is mine and what's yours is also mine Mm -hmm. so this makes total sense and especially when you get a a baby involved what I find helps the most is first you treat the oldest with empathy and you say I this is hard like this was your space and now this alien has come and invaded your territory (laughs) and I support you and I get that and for my kids the rule has always been I tell the one kid to say when you're done can I have a turn and the other responds back with Yes, when I'm done you can have a turn. And that lets the, fir- the kid with the point know that we value their play, we honor their play, and you use it until your brain is done with it. Mm-hmm. And then it also lets the other kid know, I'm in line for this. I know I'm going to get this. It is going to happen. Yeah. And that kind of starts to happen in that toddler, preschool, early elementary age. With a baby, we taught our kids to just you do a trade. If the baby's holding something you like, trade them for something else. Find something you know the baby's going to like and trade them
1: put it so in their hand
5: and then you can carefully remove the Indiana items Jones. that you wanted. Yeah. yeah. Just do, yeah. Just a nice little trade. It is a little hurt lockery too. Like you're trying to like <laughs> manage like, so nobody's screaming, <laughs> but we always taught them. It's just, you know, it's a very fair system with the baby. We try to just do the trade with the big kids. We really, and we, in their early years, we give them the words, we give them the language. Maybe they can't say it yet, but we say it for them. We're modeling it, modeling, modeling. It. And then one day, you will hear them do it on their own mm-hmm. and you'll be like, I did it. Like, I have parented. I did it. <laughs> like, got it. Like, we're doing it. Like, I'm done. I'm laughing. Not now. I did it.
1: Do you find that all your children are little directors in the sense like when they're two years old, like they tell you every single thing and how you should play the game? Like I, I Oh, find, absolutely. Yeah. So Lucy, if I do something, one little thing wrong, she'll yell <laughs> yeah. at me. She'll lose her mind. It's like, no, this needs to go here. And sometimes I'm like, this game sucks. I have a better idea how to play this game. But is it a wise idea, even if I have a better idea for her game to input my ideas? Or do I just go along with what she wants to do all the time?
5: Okay, so what I would do in that situation is, first, I'm going to try to say this as nice as I can.
1: Mm-hmm. You can swear.
5: <laughs> Don't always feel like you have to play with her. And
1: right.
5: you know that's really hard, especially when we have an only child. It's our oldest or you know, we have a baby along. But it's not your job to play. Your job is to parent. Your job is to work. Your job is to live your life. Their one job, one, is to play. It's not bad. And what I try to instill in my kids is this idea that play is your job. Here are my jobs. Play is your job. I will come and play with my kids every now and then. I'll sit down and play board games with them. I'll play puzzles with them. I'll read books. I am not... Someone who is great at sitting with my kids with My Little Ponies and playing Pretty Pretty Princess, like this isn't me. Mm-hmm. I I can't. I just don't have it in me, and I'm not supposed to because mm-hmm. I'm an adult, and I can't think the way that they can think. And if I sit down and play and try to get into, especially my daughter Kate, if I try to get into kind of her world with her little animals, then like you're saying, I will accidentally change the play, mm-hmm. and I'll accidentally make it more adult and more grown up, and. I'll do these subtle things, even if I'm not trying to, even if I'm trying to be the mom of the year by Mm -hmm. being here with them, I will accidentally change the play because now Mm -hmm. it's parent-led instead of child-led. And it's not about the child anymore, it's about me being with the child and about us connecting. And that's great, we wanna be connecting with our kids. We don't always need to do that over play. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes a really big misconception with our generation of parents is that the only way that I can connect with my child is if I sit in their room all day and play with them. Mm And that's not the case. We want yeah. our kids growing and we want them to have these experiences and we want them to build their own critical thinking and their own risk taking and their ability to have empathy and to, to test out social skills. They need to be doing that through their own play. Yeah.
1: That kind of blew my mind. Wow. I've n- I did not think you were gonna say that. That's a cool <laughs> thing. Cause I always put so much pressure on myself. Yeah. I said
5: I was gonna tread lightly. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, But I think there is there becomes this immense pressure on our generation. Like we have to be sitting with our kids all the time and playing. And Mm -hmm. if you think back to your childhood and we had great parents, they didn't sit with us and play all day. They didn't. They had jobs. They cooked in the kitchen. They cleaned the house. They went to work. They didn't. And certainly the generation before there are our grandparents. Did not sit with our parents and play with them all day. And they turned into really great... Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, my mom would just open the door, throw a ball outside, and say go.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's basically what I do. (laughs) But it's, it's basically saying that intervention stifles this ability to critically well think. it's
1: great to have permission to do that yes. so hearing yeah. you say that yes. takes a huge weight off my shoulders. so thank you and i you. want
5: you to give yourself permission and it's not meaning that you set your child in one room and you go mm-hmm. to the other room and you're like oh bye i'll see you at six o'clock and we'll have dinner together mm-hmm. it's not like that it's you're telling the child your job is play and here's my jobs so i have to go do these things and i'm going to come back and i'm going to check in on you and i want to hear what you're doing and let me know what you're up to and what you're working on and it comes back to that idea that we invite them to play we, we We can help invite them to play and we can make an invitation for them to play, but then we have to continue living our lives Mm -hmm. and there becomes such stress and such guilt on us parents where we're like, well, I'm not keeping the house clean and my work is suffering this and that. And a lot of times it goes back to, it's because we're put this pressure on ourselves to overplay with our kids. And instead we do, we need to give ourselves permission. And we need to remember Mm -hmm. that when a child is playing by themselves or and that can mean playing alone. It can mean playing with a sibling. It can mean playing outside. It can be inside. When a child is playing without an adult really involved, that is the most serious and significant learning that that child will do all day. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That is the that's highest awesome. level they'll do. When we walk in, we change it. And it becomes more about our connection with them. And that's beautiful too. And that's mm-hmm. great. If you're looking for your child to learn and you're wanting them to grow in their skills so that they live a really happy and successful life, let them play
0: by themselves. See that. And that's why that's we bring on that's hear. why we bring on the pros. <laughs> this is yeah, the I'm best. Good. I'm gonna leave this feeling so fulfilled and honestly, like, keep checking out your page. Honestly, it is the greatest, it has saved me so many times in different stages of my parenting. And I truly, so happy. I truly appreciate you for, the, for that. And I appreciate everybody that has, even now, even though I post about you, people are like, oh, check out Busy Toddler. She's so good. And I'm like, yeah, she is.
1: I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, really thank you so much. And if people right. want to find you, if they want to get more information from you, where can they go to do that?
5: So you can find me on Instagram, of Mm -hmm. course, at Busy Toddler, or my website is busytoddler.com where I put all my activities and that's where I've got my supply list and things like that. And a lot more of like the nitty gritty. If you're, if you need a little bit more than just one picture (laughs) and caption, you can read all about it on my website. Thank
1: you so much. You have a great day.
5: Thank you so much, Susie. Really good luck with baby. Thank you. you. Thank you. And remember, parenting can be on pause for the next couple months. Nobody needs to be a hero right
0: now. No, I I always tell
5: parents that it's like, go into survival mode, give yourself grace. Parenting doesn't need to look the same on, you know, July 4th as it does on July 5th when you have this baby. Mm -hmm. And then July 6th is going to be a lot different and that's okay. You know, you'll get your parenting back on track and you'll get your feet under you, but it's going to take time and you just, you need to give yourself so much grace, both of you to just go through this process and to, to just take it all in and you just, it's okay if the dishes sit Mm -hmm. overnight it's okay Mm -hmm. if you have to order out every day and it's okay. If Daniel tiger starts parenting, Lucy, (laughs) my kids are proof. She'll turn out fine. It'll be fine. And then eventually someday, like the, you know, the sky will part, the clouds will part. And, the birds will sing again and you'll be able to parent the way that it was today. Yeah. I
1: may need to listen to this periodically throughout <laughs> for this reminders. Process. Yeah.
5: <laughs> It'll be
0: your little pick me up. This is like your own personal like NBC the more you know. Like, you know, this is your pick me up here. But really, uh, you've you've saved my ass so many times and I know that you're gonna continue to do so. Oh it's my so pleasure. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are great. All right, Talk right. to you later. Bye, Bye. Susie Allison. Bye. <laughs> I feel so confident in so much of what I've been doing as a parent and what we're going to do in the future, having some of these tools from Susie.
1: Yeah, me too. The, The freedom to not play with Lucy when she begs me to... Like, I still. Well, somebody, daddy, come play. Uh, Like, you know, I'm always like, geez, can't she play by herself? I'm like, (laughs) "Ah, I guess not. I am the dad. But now I got a little bit of a license to be like, hey, Lucy, like, let your imagination run wild here. I don't want to be your crutch. (laughs) Well, because I'm so much more creative than Lucy (laughs) now. Give her a year. I
0: think, I think that, you know, if a kid is coming up to you and saying, daddy, play with me, that's like their way of saying, you know, like I miss you or I love you or I've had a hard day or something yeah, can you I just said,
1: I'll do it still Alex.
0: I know that but I'm just saying to clarify what Susie was talking about I think it's that you, yeah you don't have to feel pressured to go and insert yourself into it and don't feel guilt about that Good. So I just want to clarify for the listeners.
1: Thank you. I'm a listener too and I'm listening. So this is the part of the show that we used to say is everyone's favorite, but now just to be safe, we're going to say it's our favorite part.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going to get to some listener questions. So I'm just going to start hitting you with them. What does Lucy do while you're nursing Betty? About to have number two and don't know how to handle this. So Lucy is lucky to have a lot of people to play with around the house. She's got dad. She's got Roseanne who's Nona and... uh,
1: But from now on, I'm just going to throw two (laughs) G.I. Joes in a room and say go wild.
0: No, but I've I've heard from some other women uh, since having Betty that I've recommended different little strategies that they implement when they nurse their toddlers if it's just them at home with the kid. So one thing that I really loved is there's like a special toy box. So anytime mom sits down and nurse the baby, she has this special toy box with toys that the older kid can only play with during that time. And this was suggested to me. But so it's like, you know, some just really special little things or maybe like a special snack in there as well. And then it becomes a part of their routine and a very cool time of the day when they have access to these neat toys that they typically don't. So I think that is really cool. Uh, Aside from that, yeah, we're pretty lucky and Lucy's really good at playing on her own. She's really independent. So she'll do that. But I I think that if you do have a kid that needs to stay closer to you or that wants you to play with them, try out that special toy box. I think it's a cool idea. All right, next question. How do you know if a newborn is full? My baby is still a month old and he's 24-7, solo with two kids. So Lucy ate 24-7. Betty has been eating 24-7 today. But if a baby is like turning away from your nipple or the bottle, they could be full. If they start to play or if they're like getting disinterested or if you notice that they're not sucking and sorry if you notice that they're not swallowing so they're just sucking just to suck and like kind of use you to soothe themselves also if they begin to cry shortly after you start feeding them and then I looked on the internet for a couple more because those were the ones that you know I kind of noticed but the internet said if they extend their fingers arms or legs so like that sounds like stretching I, I don't really know if they slow down their sucking and if they start to fall asleep. So starting to fall asleep is given but all those things your newborn probably isn't hungry and is probably just you know feeling comfortable and
1: is you said 24 7 betty nurses but she looks like she's pretty okay (laughs)
0: because she fell asleep nursing because she was trying to use me to soothe herself all right next question okay how is birth two is it too much information to ask if you tore again going into birth two next week
1: i found no tearing at all either time
0: <laughs> yeah um Shane didn't tear I did not tear for the second birth the only like I needed stitches but that's only because they were fixing if you guys have been keeping up with the podcast that little purse handle thing of scar tissue from the first birth so they cut off the scar tissue and then they re me back up so they gave me a bit of a vaginoplasty while I was in there
1: how does it look
0: great it looks amazing like when maybe- are you gonna
1: do the reveal
0: I don't know. It's maybe my best vagina ever.
1: Would you say that it's scar tissue that you wish I saw?
0: <laughs> well, there's no scar tissue anymore, and I'd be happy if you were to see it. I'm proud of it. I actually took a photo of it last week, like four or five days postpartum, and I tried to show you, but you were looking away because you thought it was going to be all gory and everything. And it wasn't. It just looked great. Nice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really impressed with my doctor, actually.
1: Frame it. Um,
0: but, yeah, no tearing, and I attribute that to having given birth once and your body kind of knows what to do and also i've been doing or i was doing perennial massage for the last month of my pregnancy which i think helped a ton
1: in the amy schumer doc her husband was doing the perennial massage yeah good husbands can help oh you've never asked is that because i keep my fingernails quite long and you don't want them up there (laughs) what is that it you're laughing too hard
0: that's so funny no i don't know i just did it myself but like i mean if you're if i'm gonna have you going down there i think i'd want to be for something else Mm -hmm. not just perennial massage
1: what is it then
0: it's oh it's just it's massage. no what's
1: the other thing you'd want down there
0: oh well we could talk about that later
1: i thought we talked about everything on this podcast
0: we'll talk about it later shane dad's perspective coward <laughs> what goes through your mind when your partner is in labor?
1: I think we might have asked this question on the last one. I'm not sure because I went into a thing on how I think you're like not a beast, but a uh, a very strong woman to give birth. So when you're giving birth, I'm never worried, and yeah. that, that angers you quite a lot because you always want me to respect well, the process and how difficult it yeah. is.
0: But I don't mind you not being worried. I, I if you're like an admiration thing, I'm a beast. I'll take yeah. that.
1: I'm always like that's my that's my woman. I hope you are. Yeah, because you do it so well.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I felt like I did it really well this time too, Mm -hmm. especially because I wasn't scared.
1: My coaching was a little bit better. Your
0: coaching was a lot better. No, you were great. All right, next we have, if not even giving birth gets in the way of you guys doing a podcast, is there anything you'd miss a podcast for? We kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah,
1: exhaustion. (laughs) Sanity. I I can tell too sometimes you know I just put my head down and I I can work for seemingly forever and I Like, I could go forever, but I feel like Alex wouldn't want me to go forever, and she would get quite annoyed with me if I did. Yeah,
0: I'd be furious. And I I do think that even for your own sake, because you can go forever, I think that at times that's when I need to step in even and maybe say, Shane, you need to take a break. You need to take time for yourself, for me, for the family, whatever. And I do think that you need a gentle reminder sometimes to slow it down.
1: Yeah, and like the Amy Schumer doc too, that was another thing I related to was Chris said like when he gets involved in something it's like that's all that matters is the thing he's working on Yeah, and I can definitely go into black holes where I forget about everything else
0: well it's like if any of you have seen the movie it's fantastic phantom thread mm-hmm. it's a really wonderful movie and it's about a fashion designer and he gets so caught up in his work and he's working all the time uh, and his lover starts Poisoning him with mushrooms, essentially, so that he has all these near-death experiences. He's forced to slow down. He's forced to take a break and be
1: nurturing to her. Yeah. because yeah.
0: And then and then he gets back to work, but it's it's interesting. So I I never want to have to you know poison you with a mushroom or I appreciate something. That. But yeah, I think in general I feel like you would,
1: do. would kind of do what that woman did, though. I was relating to it on that end of that. I moment. wouldn't
0: entirely put it past me, but I'd never do anything to actually kill you.
1: Do you like when I'm sick?
0: I love when you're sick. You're so cute and tender. And that's the thing. If your tone is like ever too serious or too whatever when you're on the go, when you're sick, you turn into such like a helpless little guy. Mm. And I love it. And it's it's just such a nice break from the serious face work mode. So, hell yeah. When you're sick, I'm trying to nice.
1: provide for my family. <laughs> Okay,
0: Okay. this is an interesting question. Is it okay for kids to see their parents naked and at what age, what age is it no longer appropriate? We're, we're like kind of a naked house right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Lucy see me with clothes on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, we definitely, everybody sees each other naked right now as it is.
1: Yeah, I think, no, I was peeing the other day. I was peeing, the door was open. I didn't know Lou was around. Lou walked in. She pointed at my penis with the Uh, urine coming out. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, what's that? She didn't say that. Yeah, she did. She did? And I said... Teachable moment. Like, she wasn't talking about my penis. She was... Because she couldn't really see it. She didn't have (laughs) binoculars or magnifying glass. (laughs) But but she was talking about the urine. Oh, interesting. So I said, that's urine. I'm peeing right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I would give to be in that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, because sometimes I like to actually tell Lou... And I like to speak in terms you might not normally hear because, you know, we call it pee-pee and poo-poo. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, hey, like, let's give her a chance to know what it's actually called.
0: Um, and what'd she say?
1: She goes, urine? Interesting. I have never heard
0: that one. No, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: no. she just went, oh.
0: And then walked away? Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, as it is, it's, yeah, everybody sees each other naked. I don't know when it gets inappropriate. Like I I'm, I'm I, sure we're just we're gonna know the day that it does, and we'll just know that. All right, maybe we, you know.
1: Yeah, it's like getting a haircut. You don't necessarily notice the hair growth, but you know when it's time for a haircut.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like because like as it is right now, like Lucy'll you know if it's in the morning or something, and I'll bring Lucy into our bedroom. She'll run in the washroom and open the shower curtain and say good morning, Daddy, and then close it and run mm. away again. But, yeah, we'll know when it happens, and I'm sure that point comes at different times for each family. So I don't think that there's yeah. an age. I don't think that there's a time. Just you'll know.
1: And I know this was more of a question of curiosity and not a general, uh, probably a, a real worry. But mm-hmm. of all the things to worry about, I wouldn't think this would be, like, top of the list. But it is yeah. very interesting it to talk interesting. about. And I appreciate the question. Yeah, Ms. I've never Blondie? considered
0: it. Miss Blondie, the yeah. best question asker in the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. Love her.
0: Yeah, okay, so... Does two kids, sorry, now with two kids, does your family feel complete? I say yes.
1: 100%. I For some reason, I've been thinking a lot about the Simpsons episode with Poochie, uh, <laughs> where they try, they get rid of him, but yeah. in a way to get rid of him, they, they use a single cell, and they, they have him go up the screen, and he says, my mission is complete. I'm going back to my home planet. And that's the way I feel. I feel like I could die right now mm-hmm. and be complete, because in a way... My mission on Earth was to, you Pro-create. know, meet my love of my life, mm-hmm. get my dream home, have my dream kids,
0: and not raise them. You're going to leave me to raise them when you go off to another planet. Yeah. Thanks, Shane.
1: Well, I'm. I'm just saying, if it happens, I wouldn't feel as terrible.
0: You're an a-hole alien, if that's the case. Stop. That that oh, I'm you- not
1: an alien. I'm just saying I was. In, okay, let's go. <laughs>
0: okay what is your makeup routine are you actually doing it post baby or are you just glowing shane
1: that's the joke portion of the question like oh so you switched it
0: yeah but i just thought it'd be funny if i said it to you but of course my timing and my tone when it comes to jokes is not good yeah no no makeup routine and um i guess i'm just glowing
1: no you are very if we want to get serious here for a second and i know you hate my tone but if I say something nice in the tone, you might like it. I do think you're very naturally beautiful.
0: Well, you're very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but I- Were you trying to go no tone? Here's the thing, you know. I do, uh, now that my milk has come in, so I was using colostrum when I was pregnant because I had so much in my breasts every night as a face mask, and that worked wonders. I didn't use any colostrum, obviously, when the baby came because the baby needed all of that, but now that I have my milk in, I've got a lot and I'm, you know, just putting a little layer on my face every night and it, I think it helps.
1: Are you good at taking a compliment?
0: I'm trying to get better. I think all women need to try to get better at taking compliments because I find that it's something that women in general are terrible at.
1: Do you find that I compliment you enough?
0: I don't know. Maybe you should give me more practice taking them.
1: Honestly, do you think? No, you,
0: yeah, you compliment me a lot. I think you compliment me on stuff I do the most, which is nice because it's like, you know, you earn it. But, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, please don't tell me that you think I'm beautiful more times in a day.
1: Does it irk you I don't say that enough?
0: It doesn't irk me. Yeah, don't. No, I don't don't think about it. But then when I think about it, maybe I'm like (laughs) irked.
1: Okay, okay. It's a so, lot easier just to say yes.
0: Well, look, I wasn't, but now I am.
1: Gotcha. I'm irked. Okay, do we have any more questions? Do
0: I compliment you enough? Uh, I
1: think so. Yeah, the perfect amount.
0: Good. Because you are a very sexy, wonderful, loving man.
1: Well, here's what I'll say. <laughs> All your compliments are related to looks. So I do think you're very like... No,
0: I tell you that you were, you're a hard worker and that you're very loving and that you're very funny.
1: I don't recall you ever saying I'm very funny. Um, but I'm telling you right now. Thank you. Okay, so let's end the episode.
0: All right, let's do it, folks. Thank you for joining us. If you are having as much fun listening as we are recording these, please go give us a rating, give us a comment. We appreciate it so much, and it truly does help us keep going.
1: And if you're listening and you're like, ah, I I probably should rate, but I I won't because I don't rate. And hey, I'm with you. I don't rate either. But please do it. There's an algorithm that the rhythm matters. And if you're not in the rhythm, then you're out of the rhythm. And then
0: get us in the rhythm, guys. No one
1: listens to the pod. Thank you so much for listening to this This family Family tree podcast
0: episode 47 bingo bongo